Legends of Grayskull Reviews Revolution. We are now on the final episode of the series, The Sword and the Scepter. Before we get into that, I'm Matthew Duch here again with Sean Skavarna. Uh, and just like uh, Adam, Tila, and the Rorik Warriors joined up, we have once again found Jesse. He has rejoined us. And, of course, we have Curtis Ackerman. He has been our stalwart companion through this journey. And along the way, we picked up the little inventor himself, Matt Rodriguez. Wait a minute. How are we doing today, guys? <laughs> so I'm the Gwildor of this group? Dude, you are totally the Gwildor of this group. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you are the I creator, sir. Tortums. <laughs> I made the armies of Ashmore. Ah. <laughs> oh. All right, boys. How we doing? We ready to get into episode five? Yeah, I didn't even mute the theme song, so it'll be stuck in my head for the next days. <laughs> there you go. So. I love it. Now, what what gets more in your head? Because you you said before the show here that you've watched Revolution about seventeen times. Uh, so does that Bear McCreary get stuck or does our theme song get stuck more? I, I've played it through 17 times, but many of those I was napping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you, like any any sort of Jeremy DeWitt tune has like this little catch to it that just, you know, this little earworm that just sticks in there. And yeah, so. Absolutely. Hey, dude. Yo, I am here. What's up? Um, just hold on while I ask the other guys this question. Hey, other guys, um, have you ever had a Motu dream? Like Curtis just mentioned, he naps while watching it. Like, have you guys legitimately ever had a Motu dream and or do you remember pieces of it? I've never had one that I remember anyways. Not that I'm aware of. Hmm. I I can honestly say I've never had a Motu dream, but I had a dream where I had Superman's powers at least three different dreams. Nice. But that's the only thing that I can ever think of where it was like superhero superpower, something yeah. from my childhood like that. Well, well open it up to the rest of you guys for that, though. Honestly, like comic book, movie related, any any dreams that you're like, oh, I remember that. I hope that really pops to mind. I will say I've had like uh, Motu related dreams as in like like toy hunting and stuff like that. Like finding mm. something rare at the store. Like I've, I've mm. had those sorts of dreams. 
Nice. I don't think I've had much where I'm like got the powers of somebody type thing. Yeah, no, I've I've had dreams where I'm like in like uh like spy thrillers and stuff like that, but nothing superhero or Motu related. Um, I do want to know though with Sean's if you know when he was Superman, if he cared about the citizens or if he was just like throwing Zod like right through them and destroying buildings and not caring. My my dreams <laughs> were not directed by Zack Snyder. Gotcha. The, the thing was like I remember I specifically remember this one part of the dream, and that's what kicked the whole thing off. I saw a car go off a bridge in mm-hmm. the dream. And they end up falling into a river and it was raining really hard. And it was like on Smallville where I just like dove in. And Sometimes. the next thing I remembered was like, I'm pushing the car up. And the next thing I knew I was literally flying it out. And from that point on, I go, I guess I got powers. And then I found it. It was like almost <laughs> almost Superman's powers. And I had the dream at least two or three other times. And it was uh, when Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman TV show hit. I I, so I don't know if there was a correlation there. That was also when the death of Superman, re, you know, Return of Superman storylines were out too. But uh, I guess Superman was on the brain back then for me. But yeah, I I enjoyed those dreams a lot. But it was weird. I kept thinking I can fly, but then when I would fly, it would be like I'd have to lay myself down on air and swim through it. <laughs> so I never could figure out how to fly fast. But I looked like a guppy going everywhere. I was doing this the whole time. <laughs> I was like, Fr- um, Peter Pan can lap me on this. This sucks. <laughs> I'm really glad you made that distinction because the only dream I've ever had where I've been like a character from like a franchise I like um, was also the only dream I ever remember having where I flew. And it makes no sense. I was walking along with R2-D2 through like a barren Pennsylvania, like late fall, early winter field. Like on a hill, it's just like dry as grass. One does. Nothing exciting. <laughs> just boring landscape. Not even trees around. It's just a hill. And all of a sudden I start flying. And then like, you know how in dreams, like you sometimes like go out of your body and like you you perceive yourself in the dream? Yeah. You know? Um, I was freaking C3PO. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like Sean. But worse, like I, I, you know, his arms only go like, like this. So he was just kind of like, oh no, I'm flying away. But it was my voice, and like I couldn't control. It was just like a balloon flying away. Um, yeah. So no, that. But I've had plenty of other weird dreams, or just very mundane, normal, like I'm at work dream. Uh, but no, no cool adventure dreams like that. All right. All right. Hey, just, just curious. Thank you. I appreciate you guys humoring me. No problem. All right. Now on to episode five. <clears throat> Scene one. We pick up right where the ep- last episode left off. Adam and the heroes are witnessing Tila attempting to use all three magics, but they are, in fact, tearing her apart. Adam asks Lynn what they can do to save her. Lynn tells him that they need more power. Luckily, right at that moment, Orko and Gwildor teleport in. They have the remastered power sword in their possession and toss it to Adam. Just as Lynn claims that she can no longer hold Tila, Adam replies, I can. As he rushes inside the magical barrier, 
He witnesses firsthand Tila going through her three forms in pure agony. He leaps up, grabbing her, pulling her to the ground with him, and stares deeply into her eyes as he holds a sword aloft and proclaims, By the power of Grayskull. As lightning surges down, we are treated to a double transformation as He-Man and Tila are both changed by the power of Grayskull. Tila is transformed into her new tri-sorceress look, sporting armor that is based on the cat off the central tower and magical wings. Adam himself is transformed into a new version of He-Man with a long red cape armor that is reminiscent of the Thunder Punch vintage figure, but has a familiar HM logo that fans of another Netflix show will instantly recognize. As they finish the transformation, Tila kisses Adam to the shock of the onlooking heroes, with man-at-arms claiming that it's about time. Uh, the transformation does not go unnoticed by Skeletor as he sees the lightning come down. Uh, <clears throat> he utters an angry growl. He-Man tells Tila that she must finish her mission to resurrect Preternia. So that any who perish today will know their reward and rest in the afterlife. Tila takes off to accomplish that task. He-Man turns to the remaining heroic warriors and starts ordering them on how to proceed. Uh, he is interrupted by a mocking Evelyn making fun of him and Tila's kiss as he ignores her. <clears throat> he calls out their orders. Orko and Lynn are to protect Tila, giving her the time to accomplish her task. Andra and Man-at-Arms are tasked with taking care of as much of the Horde army as they can. As those heroes take off, He-Man asks Gwildor one last time if he is sure that this sword will be safe to use on all of Eternia at once. Uh, Gwildor states that while he does feel it will be safe, there is a chance, since he had to work on the fly, that it could cause them harm. Queen Marlena uh, sees the Horde army in the distance preparing for battle and tells him that whatever he's going to do, he better do it now. He turns to Cringer and asks if his old friend is ready. Cringer asks if he could have transformed him this whole time simply by hugging him. All right. So huge scene here, right to kick off. Um, I got to say, when I watched this for the first time, I had to stop at, at episode four and it killed me to stop there because this is one where you got to just go right through. Uh, and when I finally was able to sit down and watch this, uh, the transformation was amazing. I love the look of He-Man's new armor and uh, uh, Tila, like that is the perfect idea for her try sorceress her becoming her own sorceress and it's one of those things where once you see it you're like why has nobody else ever thought of this um so just very 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 well done you know we're setting up the final battle here it's great to see everybody back together um you really get the feeling like this was the old week-long saga and now it, you know, it's the last episode of the week and everybody's back together and it's like, okay, they got a chance. Definitely. Um, I, I was quite surprised. Uh, so 
the way that you described it in in the uh, synopsis, I wouldn't say the way that Adam said by the power of Grey Skull is quite that way. He said it in the most bedroom voice waiter. <laughs> that was I, I literally was grinning ear to ear, going, "This is amazing!" Because they tried to make Revelation sexy and failed. Yeah, this is the one that made. By the power of Grayskull, sexy, and I was like, "Go get him, Kevin Smith, on that one." I don't even that know was... if it's <laughs> if it's really sexy, like, but you get you get the feelings there. Oh, like absolutely. Adam and Tila in Revelation had very little chemistry, and I still put a lot of that in Sarah Michelle Gellar. I know I've harped on her a lot, but like this one, you really felt these characters. You know, they're they're passion the relationship they're wanting more like yeah. you get all that history well you, you know, like just there, there's, sorry to jump in there's like yeah no jump in there, there's, there's moments there's moments of like uh of of dialogue where characters are talking to each other yeah. and we understand that this moment he-man was talking to tila and we all got to hear what he was saying to like it felt intimate like it felt like right. it really happened in as far as just how they framed it and how they they worded it and everything and that's why i was like no we we were looking in on a moment within this cartoon that was happening regardless mm -hmm. of us there or not and so that's what's really cool that it was just like like you said sean like go go get it like <laughs> this is like you guys are like you guys are having your little moment we're yeah. just like with the popcorn like it's it was awesome <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, like, it, like the being on the outside of it, and, and Gwildor doing the what's going on, and Orko there with tears of that practice and all that, and it, because that it, they do that scene training. Train, training, training, where it was it was uh, a flashback to them uh, before everything happened in Revelation, and they were training on the on the uh, castle grounds and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, th there were there were moments in this series that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front at all and say they they emotionally hit me and got me to well up or there were a couple tears. This was one of those moments where I just sat there going, I can't believe I'm affected by this this way. But they did such a really good job within the voice talent and within the way it was written to really sell this moment and. I, I gotta say, like I wasn't. I, I can't look back at Revelation and see an iconic moment per se. There was too much going on, too many things. This is the moment of this entire five episodes. This sequence is like the the most standout uh, one for me, you know, hands down. And uh, I'm always a sucker for moments like this, but this one was just it, it was it was just about the equivalent of Cap raising thor's hammer in endgame and going head to head against thanos it had that feeling to me it, on on it was i wouldn't say it was like quite there but it was really darn close so yeah oh i'm i'm up um yeah i i love the new looks um i really hope we get uh some some action figures based on the new looks of oh of absolutely um I I think it's completely ridiculous, but yeah, uh Evil Lynn doing the whole like 
He-Man and Tila sitting in it like just yeah. <laughs> like it was corny, but I kind of like it. It definitely took me out for a moment, but I loved it. Did. It. it was yeah. it was ridiculous because um, it's like, oh, okay, this is where she's at now that she can <laughs> like. But it kind of plays back to a little bit of the teasing she was doing with Tila in in episode three, like during that training. Uh, maybe not the right moment, but and is this the scene where um, Andra gives Duncan the new name, or at least is the first time I remember? It's the first it, right? time they they name him in the show. Yeah, the man of war. Uh, man of no, war. he he said it in last episode when he arrives. He? Yeah, yeah, when the horde yeah. is there and he shows up, uh, and okay. uh, they they say man at arms, and he says man of war. Yeah. Okay. So well, I didn't I didn't rewatch episode four because I missed that review episode. So I, I I forgot about that. So anyway, I like that that name. I think that armor he's wearing is really cool. That white and gold. I thought that was a really, really cool look for him. Um and yeah, just everything in this moment, like Matt said, making that like that was like an intimate moment between Gila Gila. Gila. That's, that, that's their, that's their couple name. Gila. Yeah. <laughs> T, T man. Um, uh, <laughs> but it was just, uh, yeah, the way, you know, that power by the power of Grayskull was, was so like subdued. Like it, it wasn't like, like I, I, I liked it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I, the animation, like him jumping up through all the rubble to get to her and how she was like phasing through the different forms and everything. I thought was really cool. Oh, and again, sort uh Evil Lynn and um Orko getting told to like team up. I I really like the two of them working together. I think that's a, a really cool subplot from uh Revelation. Absolutely. Yeah, I uh so Tri Sorceress is and as much as all of the costume changes and action figures, like I love the the creative design on i'd say 98 percent of it like I, I explained before like there's the two percent where the skeletech character with the big long arm like i'm not 100 percent sold on that design but tri sorceress tila is number one figure out of this line in my opinion um i would hope she comes with translucent wings like i absolutely love it um i have uh, a couple little notes here so, <laughs> man at arm saying it's about time. Like, it, would that be the equivalent of like when my daughter's dating some like big jock on the football team and he like kisses her? I'm like, yeah, like my daughter's <laughs> home with the big guy. Like, it's just I a think, little bit weird. I think it's more like if your daughter had like a best friend growing up, like she's no, known I, this guy since he was nine. Hey, and- hey. I'm they trying to just not, just let me have my silly moment. I know I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> this is Legends um, of Grey School, not Potu, just so you know. That that hey, that is true. I don't even know what that's it's been like a year since that show. Um <laughs> uh the 2000 uh CGI sword also yeah. with this uh with this look the new tech sword that we've we've seen um and uh I will say so. So my my main note for this scene is like I'm right with you guys. This was a moment for me where I was just like six, seven, eight, nine year old, whatever age mm-hmm. I was. Me like took over inside, and I was like, 
he's with his girl. Like it, like, and the way he says, I have the, like, he says it in a way that's like, I, I've got you, I'm going to take care of you. And that like, that hit me hard. Um, because that's he man, that's growth, Prince Adam and growth. Mm -hmm. And so when he, when he does that, and then they say the training because they set up the training episode or the training little sequence before I'm just like these kind of like, uh, what would it be called? Like these little mini almost callbacks, like they're full callbacks because of timeline, but they're mini in the show because they're just like little flashbacks. Um, I absolutely love that stuff. And, um, I definitely think with the man of war armor, I would love to sit down with the execs and I would have loved to be in the behind the scenes scenes of this show and also 2000 uh, CGI because I almost said 2000 X CGI <laughs> because you can see the parallel thoughts and the parallel threads. Like we want this to happen. Mm-hmm. We want the sword to break. We want this and that. I fully believe they probably did white armor uh, costume designs on all of the main characters as a, do they all share the power because man at arms armor to me looks like Oracle, the white and looks like sorceress and uh, he man in this scene where that's like them, if they were to have the power and they tweaked it and made it a different armor and, and he's man of war and this, whatever. But I definitely think that there probably are some behind the scenes stuff of them, like doing a, what if they shared the power and what would their all their armors look like? That's kind of what I creatively thought of um, with that. So I could definitely see that. Um, so I, I thought, you know, initially, like we we left off with, you know, not sure where this is going, and you know, Tila's in trouble mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it it jumps, you know, obviously we get the little training sequence in there, and then you jump right into this. And I think it's interesting that um, you know they have Adam like jumping from rock to rock and trying to get to her before transitioning to he-man because he needs that transition that power to help save her and um i just think throughout this series we've seen adam be less of a wimpy twerp like he was in in revelation um he he's he's you know he's able to kind of handle some things on his own without being he-man um so i thought that was cool the transformation is amazing. Like I think the the animation that they did on that was spectacular. Um, you know, it, it's it's so good. I've watched it a, a bunch of times now, and um, I, I just can't say enough of it. Now, as far as like Tila's outfits go, I hated the way that they made her look in Revelation. And in this, they've made up for it like tenfold because <laughs> like every out- outfit that, that she's had, like she went into the, you know, the area with Granamere and stuff and had like the wintry costume. Mm-hmm. Then you, we got the green version for a second there. We see the Havoc version, which is also really cool. And then we get this Trisorceress look. And I think all of her looks in this could each be their own figure. Oh, yeah. um, they've, they've just been amazing. But I will disagree with Matt that the that the Trisaurus look is not the best of the series. It is the He-Man, in my opinion. And I know some people don't like this final version of He-Man. Oh no, but, He-Man's but, amazing. You know, this is, and I don't know if you're gonna be able to see this, but the the William, if you look at the William Stout version yeah. of He-Man that he drew, and mm-hmm. listen, I give William Stout as much shit as anybody. Uh, I po- probably would punch the guy in the nose if I ever saw him. But that being said, 
I like how this series has incorporated all of these different aspects of Motu, things like like Gwildor. I never thought I would like Gwildor. And then you bring him in this series, you make me like him. Uh, the the outfits within the 87 movie, I never thought that I would like that. But you put that in there and you change it up a little bit. And guess what? I like He-Man with a cape and, and the gold armor. And it, it just looks cool. Um, the The only part of this whole first scene that we're talking about that I wasn't into. Uh, oh, well, well, first, before I get to that, one more thing. As far as the kiss goes, like normally I'm the kind of guy that I don't want or need any intimacy in a children's cartoon. Okay. Um, like I just don't feel like it needs to be there. Does it doesn't matter, you know, um, uh, hetero, homosexual, uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just don't need intimacy in there. That being said, we we know who's watching this series. We know that it's yes. us, you know, four to forty year olds and this and that. But I will say that when that happened, and then you got that little thing from Orko with the training, and then they kiss and stuff. I'm like, okay, all right, you got me. I got a little like my heart felt that mm. a little bit. Normally, it just feels forced to me, but it was like I uh, I felt it a little bit. It's it's adorable. So. Um, but then I'm like almost immediately taken out of it with my part of this scene that I don't like, which is the, the evil in, you know, kissing in a tree thing. Cause it's like, first of all, it's Eternia. They probably don't even have that little jingle. Well, or Queen Marlena taught them. Uh, I get it, but it's, it, and it just like the timing is weird. And for it I, to come, from I agree. I, is weird. Like, like she's, she's still very much an outsider in this group. Like, you know, she hasn't. She hasn't really proven herself to be a good Lynn so far. I mean, she's helping them for sure, but I don't know. Just to jump in and do okay. that really kind of took me out of the scene. Do you uh, think they felt? Do you think they felt like they needed to? Like they were like told to? I like, think they to, felt they to needed, break the mo like yeah. moment. They need a comedy beat there. They felt they yeah. needed a comedy beat there. But I think I think everyone just doing that stare and them just being like, "Oh well, we gotta we gotta do this." That like that I, would have been for enough. me. I thought Man at Arms did that uh, when he said, yeah. "You know, about time or whatever." Like that. Right. Like okay, that. We got that. Now let's beat. move on to the next. And then for her to do that, it just yeah. Like I said, I just didn't like that. But overall, you know, if I'm just looking at this whole scene in entirety. Um, you know, blew me away. Um, just that one little minor gripe. So I will say this, not trying to say Curtis is wrong because I'm not saying he's wrong because I could oh, wait, totally do it. I'm wrong. No, I <laughs> go, go ahead and tell us how he's wrong, Jesse. Yeah, no, 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 no. I could totally do without evil and saying that moment. Part of me, part of the reason I liked it is because it threw me back to like kindergarten, first grade when I was into He Man and like that was on the playground. So like it was like a weird time capsule moment again and that's why could, it was to could totally do without it like it was completely unnecessary i liked it but it, it we could have lost it and not changed anything in that scene mm. and also going back to the transformation real quick the one thing i want to say is i love how in revelation there were so many people who were like oh of course they sailor moon the hell out of this moment when when he did his first transformation yep. I want anybody to look at what they did in this and finally get that crap because that to me was like, that was literally like the, the beginning of the show. Right? I, I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. It just punches you right in the face with that. And you're like, I'm digging it. This is its own thing. This They did it their own way. 
and it was gorgeous. And it, thanks it for reminding me. It was literally gorgeous. I, I meant to bring that up. I thought that when watching the show, like, I'm glad they waited till now to do, like, the big transformation. Um, whereas up until this point in the series, it's been the quick, you know, by the power of Grace, go out of the power, boom, 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 boom. Boom, yeah. You know, yeah. much more, number one, much more vintage-esque, you know, just a quick boom, let's go. But it really made this special that they didn't do the dragged out transformation all through the episodes. And it's like, yep. no, this is a big one. I do have a question for you guys. And I and, and I know it, it kind of goes into the rest of the episode, but but not exactly. But I just wanted to throw this out there real quick, because for the rest of the episode, you don't see him switch back and you don't obviously see Tila switch back. Right. Are they in these forms like for now on? Like is like. Do you do you guys feel at some point he he does turn back into Adam or is this I, who he is from now on? No, I well I think He-Man can still change back into Adam. Hmm. But I think this is Tila now. Like Okay, so it's is, not like when he turns back like she turns like Battle Cat back to Cringer? I don't think so. Cuz I kind of got the impression more... that that this is like you know, we've we've read some comic books with these characters where He-Man is He-Man all the time, you know, and I kind of took this the way that I've watched it and I've, I've done it several times now. I kind of felt like this is their final form, like like both of them. This is them now. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. Well, I, th I think for Tila it is because she is a sorceress, you know, and she has all these magics flowing through her. Mm -hmm. um, and he just helped her channel it into one he form. Helped, he helped her control it and channel okay. it, yes. But I feel like he can still switch back and forth like he always has. I just, like, when he's addressing the Eternians at the end, that feels like a moment that Adam, you know, especially is, well, I don't want to We'll get definitely get into this more yeah, later, because I, I got... I got yeah, I, I, just don't, I don't that, know that you know, I agree with you. I, I think this I, I, who he is now. Re remind me later to agree with Curtis, and we'll we'll discuss it further. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I have thoughts on it, but I will wait till we get to the end. I I and uh, just one one more little thing on it. Um, as much as I think his the power of Grayskull helped to channel her powers and 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 combine them. I think that her powers may have had an effect on his, which is why we see his outfit different. And and so I'm thinking that there may be something in there that made that a permanent effect. But I'll just leave it at that. Okay. You you think that you think that a little bit of that uh, uh, preternia magic uh, slipped into the old He-Man juice? Yes. Almost yeah. like Tila impregnated Adam a little bit, like like no, like the they're they're between the three powers that she had and the one massive power that he had, they combined and gave them both their final form. Is is my opinion, but that that I'll leave it at that, and we'll kind of talk about it at at the end, I guess. So, um, last thing I will say is it is good to see Adam, you know, being very decisive in you know. With the, with the other warriors, you know, because he's this whole thing's been about him trying to deal with this grief and loss and his role in it. And, you know, he had Keldor to lean on there, he thought, and that blew up in his face. But now he's coming back and at least, I mean, he still shows a little bit of self-doubt with Gwildor, 
but like before that, he's like, no, this is you know, he's finally yeah, relying he turns on into himself. like the the field general at the end. He's like, you go yeah. here, you go here, you do that. Like, yeah, it's yeah, he's he's finally really believing in himself and that yeah. he can fill these shoes. And he's speaking with authority too. Like, like these right. people, like they're just all he says to do it, and they they go. Yep, so. exactly. <laughs> All right, scene two. We are back at Castle Grayskull. Skeletor is standing triumphant over his mind-controlled minions as he reveals his new form, which he claims is the perfect merge of magic and technology. <clears throat> King Skeletor claims that he will remake everyone, all of Eternia in his image and starts to transform a poor Eternian citizen into a Skeletechnical Nightmare. Uh, just as he's about to complete this transformation on the villager, He-Man and Battle Cat arrive on the scene. With a quick blast from his power sword, He-Man is able to prevent the transformation and return the villager to normal. A surprised Skeletor watches as He-Man leaps to the top of the castle. As he plunges his sword into the castle, he is able to transform Grayskull back from its horde nightmarish look. After that, he uses the power of his sword to send a signal all across Eternia, releasing everyone from the mind control and turning them back to their regular forms. As He-Man and Skeletor prepare to face off, Skeletor proclaims that he still has enough power to destroy He-Man and stop Tila from whatever she is trying to do in the skies over Grayskull. He commands the Horde ships, which are still under his control, to attack Tila. Uh, luckily, Andra shows up to take the brunt of the first fire, giving Orko and Evil Lynn time to set themselves up to guard Tila. She goes back to work as He-Man and Skeletor square off, trading insults and punches. In the sky above, Andra is joined by the freed Eternian guards and Man of War who, to take on the Horde ships. They are able to start turning the tide of battle as Man of War takes down an entire gunship by himself. Uh, upon, <clears throat> sorry, upon seeing this, Skeletor realizes that he needs more help and awakens more Techno Titans that are buried under Grayskull, uh, including the Monstroid himself from the Vintage Toy Line. Uh, luckily, He-Man also has backup as. Snout, Spout, Buzz Off, Real Blast, and Ram Man are freed from their mind control. They take on the Techno Titans. <clears throat> One gigantic flying dragonfly Techno Titan, I presume his name's Gary, takes to the sky to attack Tila. Evil and Norco try to hold him off, but he's too powerful and is about to take Tila down. When Granamir the Magnificent flies in, engages the Techno Titan in battle, and is successful in taking it down. But unfortunately, he suffers mortal wounds in the process. Evil Lin rushes to his side to comfort him. Uh, Tila finally has the opportunity, the magic, and enough rage to call Praeternia back into existence. As the three towers appear in the sky, Paternia forms again, and Evelyn tells Granamir that he has saved all their souls. Granamir says it wasn't him, but her that did good as he draws his final breath. 
So this sequence for me was proof that the animation this time was solid as oh, hell. For me. So much better. Like, the the fight between He-Man and Skeletor was so kinetic, so flawless. And when you when you watch the way they're moving and stuff, there's something to that that you don't get everywhere you see animation right now. So it made me so thrilled that Powerhouse is the the animation studio to be working on this. They did great with the last one, but this one it, it was like they watched that and they're like, "Hold our beer," you know, because yeah. it, it like the the the, the like I mean, He Man's like like diving in Skeletor and he's like literally like jumping over him, sliding on his knees and flipping back into battle again. I was watching it, going like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" To just got- visually to watch it, it's amazing. It's got weight to it. Like it just, yeah. it feels real. And, it, and spatially, it makes sense. A lot of animation in the fight scenes, it'll be like, you know, you know, they'll just be jumping from location to location. But this you can track through and it's like they're really aware of their area. Yeah. And I mean, I, I referenced it earlier and it's it's always a go to in my head. But this moment with He-Man and Skeletor really did make me think of like Cap versus Thanos in Endgame because mm-hmm. there was this feeling in, going into this fight where you're like, I just want to see them go head to head finally, and it didn't disappoint. It really, really felt good. Hey, Sean, Sean, that's awesome you mentioned that. Like, I, I definitely, I think I remember saying it on on one of the earlier episodes, but like, not. Like I was thinking of this as you said this because like I've been very thankful and very happy with like the choice in this kind of fighting style that they like kind of give He-Man with this like the flying freaking knees and like stuff like that. That's just like just cool, like kind of uh, acrobatic almost, but like Mm -hmm. still like coming from a strength. And, And as I'm thinking of that, I'm like trying to replay. I'm like. That's kind of what they give to Cap. And then you actually yeah. mentioned um, Cap. I, I'm curious on if that was like a point of reference for like, okay, how do we want this dude to fight? Yeah, it, it felt that way to me. And it's like He-Man. The other thing too about this version, like at the end, and I know we'll get to that and, and all that, but when you look at the character design at the end, he's huge. But when you see him in, in this moment, he has a, an athleticism to him that you might not have gotten if you if they made him look as huge as he does later a, a, when he's addressing attor- the Eternians. So there's an element to that where I'm, uh, maybe there is something to what Curtis is saying. I don't know. Um, but uh, beyond that, the other things, I, I, I did love the Orko, Evelyn team up, and there is something really cool. Like I mean... The, their butts are on the line there. They are literally the last line of defense between uh, anything, the Techno Titans and Tila, mm-hmm. and just watching them working together, creating all of those shields to try to make sure that nothing can touch her. It's like, I, I got chills watching that even because there's that feeling of like, wow, she really is all in on this. Finally, we, we like, they are literally trusting each other. And on top of that, again, I said it in one of our previous ones, just Orko not messing up is one of the yeah. most awesome things about Orko and revolution for me. Um, and I really enjoy that. And I, I still, I'm one of those suckers like that where there's that moment where all the shields are broken. Tila is about to get hit. And then out of nowhere, here's Grandamir coming mm. in for the save. 
and and evil Lynn, uh, Lynn, I guess you could call her Lynn at this point, is just holding on to Orko's like um, scarf or whatever. And he he says about you know is that Grand in there? And and I forget what he the monstrous he, the monstrous. And she's like, no, that's Grandamir the Magnificent. And it's like, I was like, damn it, you're kind of getting me a little choked up again. Because it's like seeing her yeah. and who she is and knowing she's turned. And on top of that, she was like the hospice nurse. And then, you know, the way that she was caring for him and everything. There's something beautiful about that moment, just as much as it's beautiful the way the transformation was. So, and, and, and it's you know, like, I. I, I just wish they would have had a little more with Grandamir because him having only a couple scenes and then this being his sacrifice moment, I just I kind of wanted there to be a a crazy roommates show in between Revelation and Revolution of them and like three episodes of the two of them and they are each actually other roommates so. and getting annoyed with each other. But at the end of the day, he's just like, ah, I'll kill you tomorrow. Okay, yeah. thank you, you know, or whatever, and you know, making peace with each other. So. Now it's interesting, and I th- I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you guys anyways. Did anybody feel like Evelyn was going to betray the heroes at any point? No. So, yeah. No. As, as soon as she cut off uh, Skeletor's arm, it was like peace out. Like I was like, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't hesitate once for me. Mm-hmm. And that was actually refreshing because that's like been Evelyn's go-to since basically Mike Young production, right? Like, oh, she's gonna she's gonna act like she's helping and then she's gonna backstab. And even with Revelation, that first half, it's like, okay, well, when is she gonna turn on him? Oh, yep, she turned on him. Yeah. But when so, you want when, when you want progress of story though, and progress of exactly character, like that only worked like there's a reason why most people haven't seen like you know, Pirates of the Caribbean three, four, and five. Like it's like we get it. Like they they turn on each other like once and then twice and then three times. Like yeah. it, you you need further story. Well, that that's what I was saying. Like that's what was refreshing here with Evelyn. It was like at no point did I feel like she was going to backstab him, and I'm glad that they didn't. Like again, it would have been easy for them to go down that same old tired route, but we are actually getting progression here, and it's refreshing. You know, mm-hmm. I. I, I don't necessarily need my evil Lynn to turn good, but I didn't mind it here because it felt earned, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, just the little things like that. When they're like Sean said, when they're up there at garden Tila, like how easy is it there to make evil Lynn able to fly, but they don't, they teleport up there and she creates like a magical base to stand on. Like mm-hmm. it just, it's little things like that where it's like so much more care felt like it was put into this series. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was pretty much it. But I, I, I w- the progression of her in this was refreshing, considering that last time they had to pull out the nihilistic thing that drove me crazy. So this mm-hmm. one, it just felt it felt fluid and natural for her to be where she was by the end of this uh, episode. I'll say on top of all this, I think that both Fortilla and Evil and what they went through in Revelation like set up to where they could be in in Revolution. Mm-hmm. Granted I'm not saying that the way they handled it in that series the previous 10 episodes was was the best, but I like 
that they pushed Lynn that far to bring her back to to earn earn that. Um, and because uh, like I I don't remember in this if she says anything. Well, when I was sorceress, I she I think maybe she made like a comment about it, if at all. They but talk like, about her destroying Preternia, but that's about the extent of it. But you, you, but they didn't have like that 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 villain character trying to be good. Like, well, when I had the power of the sorceress, yeah. or when I was this or that, you know, like you, you didn't have any of that. That's part of why I think I, I didn't feel like she was ever going to turn because she wasn't looking back. The only thing she was looking well, back at. And to that point, I think it was like when we see her taking care of Granamir, like she already. I mean, not g good completely, but like, she already turned good. Like this entire season, she's been good, Lynn. Like she, she was on the mountaintop and got to be this goddess, and like that happened, and then it didn't work out. So when she's in Trala or whatever, you know, uh, uh, doing her thing at the very end of the last uh, season, like when this opens up, she's never been evil in this entire five episodes, which right. was kind of interesting. And that's what I was gonna say. Like her, the only thing she's really looking back at is the bad things and the pain she caused. And it wasn't like it wasn't like none of, none of it was fond memories. Like oh yeah, I chased Skeletor for all these years because you know not because I thought we were friends. You know you know there's all that stuff. So I really like the payoff with her. Um, I can't really add anything onto a lot of that except for. Because uh, I agree with everything Sean said, I really like that they they have He Man disable the infection, yeah, so quickly because it's like it's one of those things. It's like, all right, we already know that the sword has the power to reject that. That's been part of the plot of the whole season. Um, I'm glad they took care of it quick because I didn't need to be worrying about all of the people of Eternia while he's fighting Skeletor while Tila's trying to like. I like that they had the pin set up and they started knocking them down right away. Like that was yep. a, a smooth thing. It wasn't like the last moment. Oh, of course we took out the mothership. So now everybody's free. And you know, mm -hmm. they started off with that and they let you focus on the personal struggles between the, the big heroes. So it's fun. That's that really all I have the way he did it with like sticking the sword into the top of Grayskull there. Like that's the play feature on the CGI castle grayskull yeah. toy is you <laughs> stick the sword in the top and it lights up and does all its stuff so i thought that was a nice little nod there because he even turns it like you do with the cgi toy and and, yeah. and so uh piggybacking on what jesse was saying too about evil lynn is that or lynn is that like it seems like w only one of the one time she reflected on the past was like to kind of guide Tila, like she's like, mm -hmm. I know what that look is. Like I had that look with my guy. Like I know how you feel about your guy because I had my guy. You know, and so it was just it was just refreshing overall as far as that stuff went. Um, did any of you guys? Did any of you guys call like honestly call Granamir showing up right then? Like when yes, you were like in the middle of first watch the trailer. You, no, okay. but I, I loved it because it, it felt like, um, you know, one of those those nights that's already been mortally wounded that, right. you know, straps it on and goes onto the battlefield for that one last fight, mm -hmm. knowing that he's not going to make it out. Yep. Um, you know, I, I it just it felt like Granamir went into this knowing that he's not coming out of it alive, but 
that he he needs to do this one last thing. And yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, it definitely it, it definitely caught me off guard. I and I I was just one like a wonderful moment again. It didn't hit me quite like the the one earlier in the episode, but it definitely was like oh, like like when you see like yeah uh, like a, a a story thread kind of complete and come full circle. You're yeah. like perfect like per like it was just one of those kind of moments um the fight scene again same stuff like i just i just really like he-man's power i like his style um and like jesse said too kind of wrapping up the like hey we're gonna squash this tech bug real quick and like get to the real the real deal that's going on which is you know bringing preternia back and 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 me fighting skeletor so and the, okay, I, I just want to say one really quick thing, and then I'll shut up so Curtis can join him. But the one thing that, that when it, with the whole thing about Evil Lynn, would she turn or not? The one moment that I forgot about is after Tila becomes the Tri Sorceress. She it, Lynn, I, I believe it's there where Lynn actually looks at her and say, "Now fix what I destroyed." Yeah. But that moment, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Lynn is literally like, I did not do the right thing. I am sorry. Yep. Fix my mistake, please. And that moment for me was like, okay, there's no turning back for her. She is now firmly in the goods column on that part. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I truly believe that Dooch was torturing me by making me last um, on this rotation of people to talk. So I've been very patient to try to <laughs> I'm get sorry. to my turn and, and not, I've been working hard to not interrupt. Um, so yeah. the, the one thing that I will say that this is my one negative on this scene and it's not, it, once again, it's a very minor nitpick. The in four episode four, the fight scene between Hordak and Skeletor was so epic in my opinion that the one between he-man and skeletor just can't match up to it so as good as i think it is it it's kind of like in the the daredevil series where they would do one of the hallway scenes and he would you know kick all these goons his butts and and just be amazing and then you get to the end of the series and he has the big fight with the big bad and it's not nearly as impactful um, so, uh, you know, they just went so hard on that Hordak Skeletor fight that I was like, this one was just kind of, I mean, it, it's good, but it's not as good. Um, that being said, I love He-Man coming in with, with just some, um, confidence, almost mm -hmm. arrogance, um, jumping on the castle. I didn't realize that about the CGI, you know, twisting the sword, but I just kind of felt like that was a callback to the sword being the key to Grayskull, yeah, you know, like when we were kids, you know, you put the sword in and you open it up. And, and so I just thought that was really cool. Um, I do like Skeletor's look a little bit better here than by, you know, having that, you know, giant big staff mm -hmm. arm and all that, where he's, he's kind of got the spectral arms and some, some of that kind of stuff going on. Um, the Granomir showing up totally took me by surprise. Um, and, and seeing the, um, the caring that, that Evelyn has for him. Um, and then just being by his side, like as, I mean, this battle is still going on. Mm -hmm. Um, she's needed, but she takes that moment to console him and, and, and then also to point out that, you know, Preterni is there again. Um, it, it's, you know that one gets me in the feels a little bit so um yeah it it uh, makes this old angry guy a, a little bit softer so um 
but yeah, it, uh, I thought it was a great scene. I mean, so far at this point in this episode, I'm a hundred percent all in and I'm still like, you know, waiting to see what else happens. So. No, absolutely agree. Unfortunately, I knew Granamir was going to be showing up at some point just because of the trailer where it's like we saw him in the armor with the helmet and fighting a Techno Titan. And of course, in my yeah, mind, I avoided all of that. Yeah, I, see, yeah. Sean, Sean made me watch it. So <laughs> you normally I do. But yeah, just in my mind, I'm like, I know he has to show up here. But mm -hmm. even so, when he actually does, it was still that. It was still that Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon picking yeah. off Darth Vader. Like, I'm like, yep. yes, mm. let's go. Um, yeah. My only negative about this scene, um, I was really disappointed that Battle Cat showed up in his regular old armor. Mm. I'm like, Tila, you know, He-Man just got an upgrade. Tila got expected them to do something with Battle Cat, even if it was just adding some, you know, maybe, like we said, we're kind of going more of a gold, white, red thing. Like, maybe we just add some accents to his armor. Maybe give him a 2000X style helmet, a little bit smaller. Like, I just expected something there. And, yeah, and that, just that shows goes up. towards what I was saying, though, that that I I feel like something happened to that transformation with the, the powers of the Sorceress and Grayskull combined that Battle Cat wasn't there for. Yeah. So, I, I just... Yeah, and Battle Cat didn't he didn't hug him, so we won't Maybe know. That's it. Maybe if he had hugged him, him <laughs> he would have had cooler armor. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, other than got to save something for the next series. Yeah, <laughs> we hope. All right, scene three. He Man is momentarily distracted by the res resurrection of Fraternia, and Skeletor takes advantage of this. He attacks him from behind and is able to restrict him with magical cables. As He Man struggles to break free, Skeletor stands over him, forming his hands into a giant sword, and declares that he has the power. As Skeletor swings his sword, it is met in midair. By the ghostly sword of the spirit of King Randor. Randor asks if this bully is bothering his son. Skeletor is taken aback <clears throat> as Randor frees He-Man and they attack Skeletor together. Uh, not only is King Randor back, but he brought friends with him as well. We see Clamp Champ, Fisto, uh, Mossman and King Grayskull on Bionatops join the battle, helping to take down the remaining Techno Titans as the ghostly heroes help turn the tide of battle. Uh, Tila takes her mother's soul and transports it to Praternia, where she will be bound no longer. As their task is done, the ghostly heroes join the sorceress in Preternia. As Randor floats up, saying goodbye to his son, he is grabbed by the magical tendrils of Skeletor. Skeletor holds the ghostly king hostage, saying if He-Man does not bow before him, that he will send Randor to Subternia for all time. He-Man does not even hesitate. He does not bargain. He attacks Skeletor, freeing King Randor, who floats up to Praternia and hurries to look down on his son 
as he squares off against Skeletor. Skeletor is playing the victim, stating that he was crown. He-Man replies that Skeletor, in no matter what timeline, he will always be the bad guy, and he is not a victim. As Skeletor leaps at He-Man, He-Man meets him, plunging the Sword of Power into Skeletor's chest. As he does, it draws out all the power, the magic, and the technology out of Skeletor, leaving behind only a young Keldor in his place. As the heroes assemble over him, Keldor knows he is defeated and can only utter a single meow. Jesse. Me? Yeah, Matt. No, it's Me? Jesse. Oh, sorry. No, Jesse. Oh, no, Jesse, this is scene three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Never mind. Yeah. Good oh, thing we planned okay. this ahead of time. So it flowed through. <clears throat> I misunderstood. I misunderstood the assignment. Um, I did your homework. Dog ate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gooch, scene one, Gooch rolled into his own stuff. Mm. Yes. And it caught everyone off guard. Yeah. No, that's even though I right. told everybody that's how we were doing it. Absolutely. Yep. We didn't believe you. But now we have to. <laughs> All right. Jesse, how about it? So, uh, yeah, this yeah. this was... I know everybody else is going to have a lot of stuff to say, so I'll focus on the, the part I really liked, and that was... Um, uh, that as you described, you know, that He-Man doesn't hesitate. Like when, you know, he's like, you know, Neil and like the whole victim thing, like that whole speech, I thought like really did a good job of summing up all my memory of watching the cartoon as a kid and, you know, the toys and what Skeletor's kind of vibe has always been, you know, um, for me and, you know, how, you know, he, he's like, oh, I have the power. And it's funny because I, I think, again, I think a lot of this stuff works because of Revelation. He had the sword. He had the power before. So he knows yep. he knows he doesn't have the power, like at least that power. Um, and I, I just think that that whole exchange there I, I thought was really, really interesting. And yeah, the whole bit with with Randor showing up was, you know, um again the whole is this bully picking on you again that was almost almost took me out a little bit like the the evil lynn thing but it, it also made me smile so like i i liked it um uh but i just thought it was cool that randor got to kind of reprise his role from the beginning of the season where he's there fighting alongside his son with the mm -hmm. heroes they were trying to rescue in that first scene um and and I gotta say, I, I really got excited to see Mossman come back because, like, again, he's not a character I have a huge attachment to, but I really like how they did him in Revelation, and I was like, oh, he's he's gone. <laughs> um, so seeing him get to come back and take on on the Techno Titans and stuff, I thought was was really cool. So yeah, and the 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 whole meager man. Eh when he sees like the Avenger, it's like when Loki looks up and sees all the Avengers, like Absolutely. pointing their stuff at him. Like I, I love well, that. And it's, and it's a Shatner one. It's not a, it's not yeah. a Hamill one. Yeah. yeah and I like yeah, that too, that they, they stuck with the, when he is Keldor, he is Shatner yeah. like that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Matt Rod. 
dude. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing for sure that like being a uh, so so being not only a father but also a um, part of the uh, Dead Dad Club um, that I joined a couple years ago when my father passed, like Kel or uh, Randor showing up, like just hit me. Like it, like it, mm-hmm. it, it hit me in the way that like, like I'm so happy that the pace of these, this episode and the one before, like, I don't have, I like, dude, I didn't, I didn't pay full attention to Granamir coming, but like the story beats just keep coming. So I'm not even trying to anticipate what's coming next. So when I see his sword and I'm like, that's his freaking dad. Like, oh yeah, Preternia's back. And like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a hundred percent bought in at this moment. So when he repeats his full circle, like, is this bully picking on you? I was just like, like the dad in me was just like, or the dad and the son in me, like in the singular moment was like, heck yeah. Like this is yeah. freaking awesome. Like I just relish, like just, just the idea of it and the emotion of it. And so, uh, what I had mentioned earlier, I think in episode one or whatever, whenever I joined you guys before episode three, maybe was that like the entire concept of preternia being heaven mm-hmm. and heaven doesn't mean your dad as far as like these characters. And like, so when you see heaven open up and you see that cast of all those characters to <laughs> me, at least this is how I read it. Cause in season one, those flashback scenes of, uh, he-Man and Tila storming Snake Mountain, yep. um, them with Merman on the boat. Those scenes very much read to me as in like kids playing with toys. Like that's exactly what they read like to me. And so this scene and them showing Preternia read to me, these characters aren't dead. Your toys are your toys. You can grab the one off the shelf that like in this certain storyline or this certain cartoon might be dead, but like they're not dead they're toys and so that like really got me like amped up to be like it's fine all the people and and i was partly one of them like fisto's one of my top four three characters uh in motu like yeah i was like kind of like it sucks they killed them you know in the first season but like they're not dead like there are characters they're always going to be alive like uh so so just like kind of feeling that like toy aesthetic of the the entire show in itself like really just made me feel feel warm about like being like that whole lineup up there granamir and like sorceress and like everyone like it's just like your toy shelf like they're never dead absolutely yeah so i could have given two craps about moss man because i um i mean <laughs> like he was he was good in revelation but i felt like he had his moment the 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 ones that I felt got shortchanged in Revelation were were Fisto and Clam Champ mm-hmm. because they just they you know they didn't get that heroic really thing like Moss Man did like I, I was cool with Moss Man's story ending where it was seeing Fisto and Clam Champ be able to come back and play a role here in finishing this battle mm-hmm. um, was really cool and and you know they're not my favorite characters but you know, I know what it's like to have your favorite character kind of done wrong. Um, and so I felt bad for the people that were, you know, Fisto and Clam Champ fans that, that they just introduce them just to kill them off. It just seems so unnecessary yeah. um, in the last series. 
So yeah, seeing you know Fisto slide in and Clamp Champ jump on there and use the big clamp and everything, it was it was just really cool. Um, you know, and then the the only other thing I'll say on this because I don't have a lot to say that you guys haven't already touched on, but um, I'm not a big fan of He Man stabbing people with his sword <laughs> like like that in the first series. I was not a fan of, but based on what was going on in this. Um, you know, after Gwildor had uh, adjusted his sword and all this kind of stuff where it was turning people back from the tech and the fact that Skeletor had the tech in him. The only way I'm able to accept He-Man stabbing Skeletor is by knowing in my head, he knew that that wasn't going to yep. kill Skeletor, that that was going to, in fact, transform Skeletor, at least back from the tech version to regular Skeletor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he knew it would make him into Keldor, um, but I, I, in my mind, I have to go, okay, he knew this wasn't going to kill him because that's not He-Man to me. Um, so I'm able to kind of sell it as that. Well, and he, right. he didn't seem surprised by it. Like you Correct. didn't, yeah. there was no reaction to him and like, what? Like, yeah. no, he, exactly. He wasn't going for the kill. He was going for the stop. And this is how I do it. By curing him of the virus. Jesse, you were gonna say something. Jesse, I, I was gonna say I I think I think He Man knew exactly what he was doing yeah. there, and that yeah. it was not a kill shot because, like you said, we saw that in the previous season, mm -hmm. um, which like they went there, they used the sword as an actual sword, and like I was like, there's no, it's like when he plunged that into him, like all right, this is not gonna do, this isn't just gonna kill him, this is gonna do right. something mm -hmm. else. I can't say I I knew what was gonna happen, yeah. but I was like, this is not a death blow. Like, mm -hmm. like you said, it's, it's, it, he went for the stop. And um... the, the only other thing I was going to say on this scene was I, I'm not sure what's happening with the sword where it's like, it, it's like charging up or something like, like each time that it, like he, you know, stops a shot from Skeletor or something. It like, you see the, like the little light go up to the next section. And yeah. I, I, I wasn't really sure kind of what that is. I've, I've watched it a few times now and it, you know, it, it's like, it's, I don't know. It, if it seemed like it's a power from like, what, I don't know. If, yeah. No, no, though. I think, I think it was, it seemed like it was absor absorbing the bad juice and turning it into good, like power. That's like yeah. what it read like to me. Cause yeah. I was nervous early on. Like when they opened up with him taking the, the sword, taking the virus out of that little kid, mm -hmm. I thought they, they were going to like turn him into like a faker battle armor techno he-man like bad guy mm -hmm. like he was like sucking up the bad power and then it was going to take him over that's where i initially thought they were going early on um mm -hmm. but yeah i think it i think it kind of transforms bad energy to good energy as, as that's kind of how i took it yeah and that's, that's setting up that he-man like he-man realized what it was doing mm -hmm. and knew that'd be able to take down Skeletor by yeah that's power. that's kind of what I got from it. it it's it's not one of those things that they really explain to you that that's what's happening but right. I, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening so okay that agreed that's it no it was it was a good it was a good scene uh like King Randor coming in I mean we just had Grandmer come in now we got King Randor coming and that's something they, they don't need to do that there like you can easily just resurrect Paternia, have everyone wave, and you know we finish our battle down here. But mm. the fact that they they went there, it's like it, it hit me in the gut, you know. And seeing everybody back, 
Definitely agree with you, Matt. It's the it's the the adventures never end. You know, we see everybody who's died here. We see up there, and it's like, okay, this is this is going to go on and on. But uh, the yeah, one thing- most of us most of us are getting ready to unbox and open up our freaking uh, Eternia playset. Like that's that's heaven. Like that's you know what I mean. Like that's like where you set those guys up. <laughs> exactly. Um, I did have another point. I lost now. It probably wasn't important. And I wasn't very. Oh, the only thing I will say that I found interesting was the fact that it is uh, the young Keldor and not the King Keldor that we Mm. had seen thus far. It's like it took every, like it put him back at that moment when Hordak took him for Manwatt Gar. Yeah, he doesn't have the short gray hair and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's he's a young man. So it's like, you know, it's it's kind of. It seems like if he would have had the staff still, if he would have still, if Evelyn never caught off that staff and He-Man stabbed him with the sword and sucked out all of his evil mojo, I think he would have gone back to that version of Skeletor with the staff, but he like reverted, that's what it seemed like to me, he reverted like all the way back to like pre-Havoc staff. Exactly, that's what, yeah, so it's like, you know that that that's already got me going. Okay, you know, well, what's what's that mean? What's that? What's next? You know, who? I mean, this whole thing. I think that's why to Curtis's point earlier, like that, the fight with Hordak and Skeletor, even though He Man and Skeletor, you know, timeless rivals, all that, but like with Skeletor just discovering his true origin and trying to reconcile these two voices in his head. Like that fight was so personal uh, for Skeletor. And so now with him being healed back to that moment, but having all these memory, you know, what does he remember? Does he remember all of Skeletor? Does he remember all the the fake memories? Like what is going on in that head now? Um, It just one one of those little breadcrumbs they left that leads me excited for the future. So this this scene with uh, the cavalry, the the uh, spiritual cavalry jumping in, it made me wonder, and I doubt highly. It made me wonder though if they listened to us with Revelation, because I really wanted to have them do something like that in Revelation, where Adam doesn't have the sword, Evil Lynn has it, and it's before she does the whole "I'm going to just destroy heaven." And I kept going, how cool would it have been if all of those, you know, the champions would have gone, I'll give myself to him, my power, I'll relinquish my power and make him be the one who has the power. And because they talked about it, all of us are in our, you know, juiced up versions, our super powered versions, except for Adam. How cool would it have been if they did that to help him? get the sword back finally yeah instead we got it in this way and the way that they managed to push that over the um finish line for me was the randor moment and that that made me just go like i can't fight this now i can't fight that this is where it needed to be it was really well done and I'm right there with uh, Matt Rod, where it's like you know I, I've I've I haven't had my father in my life for 13 years now, and just the idea of 
if I could have him for one day come in and give me know he has my back again one more time. And that was just like, holy shit, did that hit me like a ton of bricks watching that moment. Um, and I do, I'm not a fan that Fisto is dead, but I like they had a moment at least. Yeah. And damn it. You know, <laughs> you have to go. But do like, we, do we get confirmed. Do we? And so that's where, that's where the progression of story. It's just this wonderful storytelling where it's like, do we get these moments if they don't kill Randor? Like, do we right. get, you know? And so it's, it's that kind of that push and pull where, where we obviously we're like, uh, you know, children that like, we're like, you, you season one you messed up in this way this way this way which is completely valid stuff but it's like it's so cool that like i'm thankful w like to feel like i can trust like this version of he-man now where it's like no take me new places i'm here for the ride like you know like i trust where you're going and the and the memories you're making well it's and so and say say what you will about um Kevin Smith and and you know how you think view his skills um but I think there were, there was a lot of feedback after revelation and I think some of it was very valid and some of it was just hater nonsense and he was able to filter through that stuff and make some corrections with this series that made sense and made it a whole lot better without feeding into all the other you know, BS feedback. So, you know, it's, it's like he read all that stuff and he's like, okay, this is not valid. This is not valid, but this we can make an improvement on. And, and those things he made a change. And, and I, I appreciate that, that, you know, because this is, this really felt like a series that uh, was made for the fans. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I was hoping from revelation, but this really felt like it. So yeah. sorry, Sean, and, I can, and oh. No, no, no. It's okay because I did it to you. It makes sense. We we need to do this. <laughs> no, but but real quick. I mean, uh, me being somebody who for how long has been complaining that filmation had us wired to always have a reset button and to have mm. it go in a progression, have it move forward, even at the expense of one of my top three characters. I'm not upset about it anymore. Like I I want to see more, and I want to see them doing things like they're doing here where mm -hmm. we can't necessarily figure out how it will all work out. And the new things like I would have never until seeing the preview, unfortunately, I would have never thought, Oh, they're going to have like a new version of he-man other than battle armor in this series. And there it mm -hmm. is the same with Teal. And so it's like the ways that they're honoring the past, but bringing it into the progression going into the future. I can really get behind what they're doing with that kind of stuff because even though they are giving us the past, they're doing it in a way where it really feels fresh again. And it really feels like the potential going forward is way higher than us just always seeing the reset button at the end of every episode. Yeah. Jesse, you were going to say something. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, I'm not saying this as like a def defender of, of Kevin Smith, or, you know, and I haven't watched all the background stuff or heard a lot of things, but like, I don't like every movie he's made, but he's a good storyteller. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think, I, I personally think the whole payoff with Clamp Champ and Fisto, um, I think all of, I, I think this, and I definitely think there is more to come. I think it depends on how well these things do to how much money they want to put into keep producing it to make it worthwhile. Um, 
I think all of that was part of the original. I, I think that was part of the pitch. Right. Um, I, I don't, I, I think, don't know about that, but I, 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 I mean, maybe some of it, maybe, but there's definitely some changes he made in this series that you can tell he took some feedback on. There's mm-hmm. no way that all of this that we see in this series was planned from the get go. He definitely redirected on several items. Yeah, I, I, I think I didn't say I think everything. The, I, didn't I think say the everything. broad arcs were kind of set up beforehand, but well, yeah, like, well, like, yeah, but honestly, honestly, I, I love the I love the meat on this freaking Curtis Jesse Bone here. What, like, give me, like, I want to see, I want to hear a specific, like, what's a specific thing that you think was planned ahead of time to be. To be, for a bow to be put on it in season two, and then Curtis, what do you think? Something that was a correction actually that changed. Go ahead, Jesse. Okay, so my the, the thing I think was the bone is because of the way they so quickly and almost dismissively got rid of Clamp Champ and Fisto in in the first part or the second part of part one, whatever second part of Revelation. Um, and that it would be a story thread in this in this season. I think. Well, I mean, it starts off with season. This yeah. new season of Revolution starts off with them trying to save their souls, mm-hmm. and that sets up the fall of 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 Randor and like you know that whole reveal. I think I think some of those things, and then having them come back in at the end, I think all of that is part of it. And and I don't want to spoil anything we haven't talked about yet, but I think there's more to come based on things we've seen, and I think the whole thing with setting up motherboard at the end um, leading into Hordak and what this series, this, this, these five episodes, I think all of that was there. And I, I'm, I'm with you. Curtis. I don't, th- uh, I think there was definitely course correction. I'll let you pick what you're going to say, but I uh, think, I think there are definitely elements that carried over that were intentional. And I'm not saying everything that happened in the first season. I'll even throw in there intentional setup, but I, th- I think, I think he's a better storyteller than doing it in these weird little like five episode chunks is allowing that to go. Uh, I would say the biggest thing for me, and and it's more of an animation thing um, in, in the first series, uh, Adam was very wimpy twerpy and Tila was very masculine Uh and it was to where when you saw the two together, like she towered over him and made him look like a little boy. Um, in this series, especially like like this episode, we talked about that training sequence right at the beginning. Um, you know, he's taller than her as Adam when she's Tila. Yes. And like just the the whole like, you know, catches her off balance and and like, you know, holding her there. Like it's it's like, OK, he's not when he's Adam, he's not this like wimpy, you know, nobody. Um, so I think that was definitely a change from the previous to this one. Um, but the, I think there's some others. But I mean, we really don't know. Well, like um, you just said with with her, um, I would I would even say. Do, can we say uh, Sarah Michelle Geller voice change was a? Oh yeah, correct. Oh, saying this whole thing. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I don't yeah, know yeah, if that was done that. because she had conflicts or if the, I I don't know why they changed voices. I uh, think they realized how poor of a job she did. 
I honestly think it is. It's, Just yeah. because you have a famous name doesn't mean you're good for voice acting. And that's what I don't my, know if she chose process. not to be a part of this or if, if it was a conflict or or if they, they said, hey, you know, we don't think she did a good job. I don't know why that was. I do know that this voice is much better. And, yeah. and I think we all can kind of agree that. But that's one where I'll like, you know, to to Jesse's point, like, was that a correction or was that just something that happened? I I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll 100 percent jump on board with you. I I think I didn't mind the way Tila looked in the first series. Um, I do agree with you that Adam was a lot smaller than each. I liked Mm -hmm. he was still scrawny. He looked like slimmer. He didn't ever look scrawny because he was wearing kind of baggier. He wasn't wearing like form-fitting clothes, but I like that he was taught like at least closer in height, if not taller than her in this. Um, I I originally defended that as trying to show the disparity between Adam and He-Man. Seeing this now, I like the taller version of him. Yep. Um again, I I mean, hey, I you guys know me. I like strong buff looking hero chicks, so I had no problem with the way Teal looked at all in the first season. <laughs> and and um, I'd almost they, be Sorry, sorry, finish. Sorry. No, I was gonna say. So I liked in being sorceress. I liked that some of that that softened her up a little bit. Like it fit mm-hmm. the character progress. Like that, I like. So yeah, I, I definitely think there were things that might have been, you know, uh, studio corporate mandates. You know, and maybe some of that's the stuff that got uh, bit on a lot by the fans, and they were like, "Okay, Kevin, you you do your thing. You know what you're doing." And again, I'm not trying to say he's perfect and yeah. all be all. I like a you lot know, of his stuff, but he, and, I, think, and if, I as far as she, sorry, as far as she goes, sorry, just as far as she goes, I almost like imagine, like I imagine what if this chick's, what if this girl's voice was in season one? Like, I just wonder oh, yeah. how, how the tone of it would like at least ease mm. the, the character of her. You know what I mean? Just because again, there's like, I mean, I have to fully admit, like, I've met chicks uh, that were a little bit more butch that were, like, just annoying as AF, and then ones that were like, no, you're a, just a normal girl, like, you're blah, 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 blah. So, like, a lot of it has to do with tone. So, like, I'm almost curious on if, like, some of that would have been softer with this version voice. If they told Sarah Michelle Geller, like, is looking, she's looking at the artwork, and she's looking at the dialogue, and she's probably like, oh, like... I'm just gonna play this like Buffy. I'm just I'm this tough mm, chick. I don't think she looked at anything. I think she just did. I think it. she just yeah. read. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just it's 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 interesting to think about what the what ifs of that, but yeah. It's actually funny. I was talking to Sean. It might have been you guys too, but privately, I, thought, I think it was in one of the earlier episodes you said that that like it would be interesting to go back and yeah, do rev- revelation with the other voice yep. and see yeah. how much different it feels. I'm not, I'm not a petition kind of guy, but if I was, we should definitely start a petition to get Melissa Benoit to re-record so, all of season ones. I'm going to say this here. I don't know if you said that before, or if I had a dream about you saying that in this live action, <laughs> but like that, as soon as you started to say, I'm not, I'm like, he's going to say petition guy. There's my He-Man story. Jesse, I'm right with you about the about the um the Kevin Smith thing too. Is I'm not a huge like I like Kevin Smith in the like the most generic ways. Like I like that he likes nerdy stuff. I like I love Daredevil. He loves Daredevil. Like I'm not a big Jay and Silent Bob guy. I'm not like a big hot smoky guy. Like I never grew up as 
one of those, like a fanboy of Kevin Smith. I just know that he enjoys cartoons and comics and superhero stuff. So that's, that's my most extent, but I've seen a few of the movies he's directed and I've liked them. And I've heard podcasts of him on there and him describing stories and his ideas and concepts. I, I like his thought process. And so it, yeah, if I trust him in this world, um, I'm thankful I didn't, and it probably wouldn't have affected me anyway, but I'm thankful I didn't hear like the wildfire of it's a continuation of filmation and whether he misspoke or whatever, like people just seem to run with that thread of thought and like, hold a stake of fire to him like i just i don't get that stuff but i definitely you can see the storyteller in him and i guarantee you from what i know of the guy and what i know of his comic book stuff too he probably if you wanted to sit down with him he could probably tell you a rough rough outline of the next 20 episodes like i think he's that kind of guy oh yeah yeah and that's what i was that's what i was hinting at have you seen uh like the the YouTube videos where like he goes to like campuses and he's just like basically storytelling. Have you seen any of those? No, I haven't. They're, they're pretty freaking awesome. And like he, he does, there's this one on YouTube. If you look up uh, Kevin Smith, Superman, yeah. he talks about how he was supposed to direct Superman lives yeah. uh, with Nick cage. And it, yeah, it's pretty interesting. You should check it out. Um, yeah. But he, cool. he is, I mean, he's a guy that likes the same kind of shit that we like. And mm-hmm. and this is one of those things that we've been, you know, in this community been asking for a while is like, put something, somebody in this that cares about the stuff that we care about. Because a lot of times the people that are in charge of these toy companies and, and you know, whatever, like they, they're just there to make a buck and they're trying to figure out what people are going to buy, but they don't care. And this guy actually cares. So, I mean, that gives you some mm-hmm. sort of credit in my book. You know, even if you do make, you know, a lackluster series um, or, you know, not as good as it could have been. Um, at least I know you cared. So, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. anyway, totally we'll one more scene, right? One more scene. Sean, you, you got anything? Very good. What scene were we just doing? I don't even know. We, we went on. You were talking teams. about Randor and, and. Oh, I already, I, I said. We're good. Though. All yeah, right. I'm good. All right, final scene. Final scene of this series. Uh, sometime later, not immediately after, not while the battle's still going on, not while there's cars burning in the background. <laughs> uh, we are back at Eternos. That's a that's a uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier reference for those that didn't get that. <laughs> Could have also been a Zack Snyder Man of Steel reference too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you messed up the order. Oh. Uh, back at Eternos, Adam addresses uh, the Eternian citizens. He apologizes to them for trusting in Keldor and crowning him king. He admits that while he made a mistake, Keldor was right about one thing, and that is the people should have a part of the power. He declares that the Eternian monarchy is officially dissolved and in its place will be a new democracy where the people govern themselves. He assures them that he will always be there when they need him. Uh, This is met by applause 
from the citizens as he steps away from the podium. He asks his mother if his father would have been proud of him. Marlena assures him that he would have. We learn that Andra is interested in running for an elected office. Uh, she wants to help keep the people safe. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, man, man of War tells Adam how proud he is of him as today he has become his own man. Uh, we flash to Keldor it locked up in the dungeons of Grayskull. He still holds the Eternian crown. As he gazes into it, he sees only Skeletor as his reflection. Uh, back with the heroes. Uh, everyone departs in order to give Adam and Tila some alone time. Uh, Adam comments to Tila that he has no place to live now that the monarchy is dissolved and the palace is destroyed. Tila invites him to stay at her place as long as he doesn't mind psychotic bad guys in the basement. Uh, it is the safest place in the universe. To which Adam replies, the safest place for me is by your side. As the couple Aww. embrace, we look out over the Eternian landscape, panning up to the stars as the Masters of the Universe Revolution logo appears on the screen, and we fade to black. Matt Rod, you're starting us off. What? I don't want to. I like to just cherry pick what you guys say. Um, <laughs> um, so, so, I will say one thing. So, Say what you will about it. I think a hundred percent. My personal opinion is this is going to be an easy way to poke at people that complain about woke stuff, so that they had Andra Andra like be like, "I'm going to run for political office," yeah. like just so that they could like rough like get people to complain. Um, we've seen King He Man. We've had the action figures. We got the bios. We've seen them in a couple comic books recently. Stuff like that. I am again for the progression of story's sake. Like, there's a chance we could get Son of He Man Dare. Like, there's a chance, oh, yeah. like, we like, like, thinking about all this stuff, all this untapped, like, storyline where, where it just reminds me of back when they made the, uh, the X Men TV show called Generation X and they were like, we're not going to do X-Men yet because we don't want to mess that up. Or like in Smallville, we're like, we're up. No. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. We lost uh, you for a second. Uh, and, uh, and, and so there's always been this like tiptoeing around like progression of story. But again, I know I'm beating an old drum, but I just really like the idea of, of Yeah no more king like like why not like what's the big deal like what's the worst that could happen you could have a whole season of like a broken democracy where like he-man has to step back in and take his rightful place as king like i prefer that story of give me getting king he-man over like him just being like now i'm king he-man like i don't i don't know i i really really like how this wrapped it up in a bow and picturing my toys of he-man and tila in Castle Grayskull, like I was a little kid, I'm like, <laughs> they're totally making out. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm happy for the show. 
And um, yeah, that's about that's about it. And I don't, I do not, for one second, buy into any one of you who is going to probably pull a Bashadi and say Duncan should have been king. Like, I'm not buying it. It's nope. dumb. And I'm going to tell him it's dumb when we do our review. It's the lowest hanging fruit of a Dunk the Hunk fanboy could think of. And I know that, guess what? Duncan wouldn't be king anyway, nope. in my opinion. So carry on. Curtis, you're up. Um, I did not like this part. Um, I'm not <laughs> ready to pour gasoline on the series and light it on fire and, and protest and call it woke and all this kind of thing. But I think you know, one bad decision in making Keldor King does not offset the years of prosperity that you had under Randor and Marlena um, to where all of a sudden now you need to get rid of a monarchy and, and put in democracy. It just, it felt very forced hippie um, to me. It just, it, it didn't feel like it belongs in this universe. Story progression wise and stuff, whatever. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. That's fine. Um, I would have liked to see Duncan get a chance, um, e whether it's king or whether it's elected official mayor, governor, whatever the hell it is. Um, I mean, it, it, like he has been that father like figure to a lot of these characters throughout, um, you know, this universe. Um, he's at a point now where he's retired from his position as far as, you know, for the most part, being on the front lines. Um, so I think it's a, it's a good, he should have been that choice anyways in the beginning. So, um, yeah, I think he would have made a good spot on this. So, like I said, I, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of the, you know, we made one bad decision on King. And so now we're going to do away with the whole monarchy and, and throw everything in upheaval and try this thing that we've never tried before while everything's already in ruins. Um, it just, it, it does not sound like a great idea to me, but you know, who knows? Maybe it leads to something else, and eventually we do get King He Man or or something thereafter. So, um, yeah. So that was my thoughts. Like I said, I don't think it ruins the series. I think the series was absolutely amazing. I just thought it was kind of a cheesy way to end it. So, I I can agree partly with you, Curtis. Um, I don't mind. I, I've never cared for the King He Man idea. Like to me, if if Adam's gonna rule, it's gonna be as Adam. But that's just me. That I know that's me being nitpicky. But but Curtis, Adam is no more, right? Exactly. Uh, We're gonna I mean, get to that. My well, we'll I get mean, to that. after the after this speech here. Like this is this is very much. If you're going to relinquish the monarchy, if you're going to you know disband it, you would think the person to have that conversation would be Adam. Adam is not there in front of the people. It is He-Man in front of the people. I think I I think he is now He-Man going forward. I don't think that there is an Adam, but right. So, but what I was gonna say is just on the idea of the democracy. Like I'm I'm okay with Adam making the choice that Eternia he needs to be Eternia's champion more than he needs to be their king. Like I. I get that decision and I like that, that idea. I like that they got it to where it, like you said, it's, it's he man, Adam living in Grayskull with Tila. Like we went back to the, I mean, that that's an old, you know, early mini comic golden book story point. So mm -hmm. to get to that point, a lot of fun. 
if you're going to do this idea, why not do a new council of elders? Mm. You know, instead of shoehorning it, because that, that's what took me out was that he's like, and I get Marlene is from Earth, mm. but I'm like, with going, well, we're going to do a democracy and the people and elected, like, more do appointed. Do, you know, appoint Queen Marlena, appoint Duncan, Andra, have the people elect a representative to sit on the council. Well, well, yeah, could, and it's tying could it that, back into Master's be? lore with a council of elders that way. But we don't know what they're going to set up. Like, the, he didn't say, we're, like, hey, we're going to create three branches of government and we're going to do, you know, we right. don't know what that's going to look like. We just know that it's going to be elected officials. So it could very well be something that, along the lines of what you're that, talking That's what I'm saying. Wrong. So if they had just said, council, we're going to form a new council, you know, it just feels more Eternian. It feel, and, you know, you, you get more of that. Mm. Yes, Jesse, sorry. I was going to say, not like elected officials ever goes wrong for the people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then of course my criticism of this scene is the fact that the final embrace, I also not sure why they're pulled their punch with just like a weird little hug head on shoulder thing instead of full on kiss. It's like, man, we are, we already kissed once. Like, you know, have have need another kiss there, but have Adam dip her back, and my, we just saved the universe, man. You're Play allowed one kiss per season. Uh, apparently, mm. we're on a limit, so Curtis keeps watching. I don't feel like we um, need it there. I think think them looking over everything is a nice. I think that's a nice way to finish it. Well, but that wasn't my real. My real criticism is the fact I would have rather had Adam there. Um, him he doesn't exist anymore. Huh. <laughs> well, either way, he exists. Adam is He Man, but just He Man. Um, I want Tila to kiss He Man's teeth. That's what I want. <laughs> We're off the rails. Go ahead, Sean. So I had to, um, I had to write this part up really fast because this this moment took me out of the ending of the show, um, and this is my negative. I think. So during He-Man's speech, when he's talking about they're dismantling everything and it's going to be a democracy, he says these lines. And for the moment, Eternia has earned a well-needed rest. But if the forces of evil ever rise again to cast a shadow over the heart of Eternia, I'll always be here for you. So, knowing Kevin Smith, he wrote this episode, knowing how much he loves a certain movie... I just wanted to point this out. Please inform the citizens of Gotham that Gotham City has earned a rest from crime. But if the forces of evil shall rise again to cast a shadow on the heart of the city, call me. I was dumbfounded hearing those lines out of He-Man because I'm like, dude, you literally took that from Batman 89. The hell, dude. Like, you couldn't come up with a better way of writing that and doing it without knowing that's what you're referencing that hard. It bugged me on so many levels. And I know it's so, so, stupid. So, yeah, no. So that I'm, I, I did not know that. Do you think that the way that it bugs you is the complete opposite of what his intention was? Do you think he's like, he was hoping that people would like that he did that? My, I think... So one of the I negatives like in general about the show, and it's a nitpick to me, which is why I don't really talk about it much, 
But it, it, even in Revelation, there's this element of they always have to do a, eh, see what I said there? See what I said? That was a nod to this. And they keep doing it. And it never stops. I mean, in Revelation, we had Skeletor say, let this be our final battle. And in this one, they had Hordak say, let this be their final battle. They have literally almost verbatim Batman's letter to Gotham City from the ending of the movie that now He-Man recreates for the ending of this. And I think if there's, like I said, if there's anything that I could say is a negative is that kind of stuff just eventually grinds on me because I'm like, you are a creative writer. You could do this without needing to rely on that and have that be your crutch to let us know what you're doing. I mean, especially in that it's like, I don't know if you're going to reference something like Batman is not something I would want to have referenced in masters of the universe. Personally, that's just me, but it's almost to me, that was the equivalent of like Curtis saying the evil in with the he-man and Teela sitting in a tree moment. You know, it's like, that was my moment in this episode. And it's like, I get, it's like you can be a geek and still not have to elude so much that you're a geek and still write and, have your own creativity in what you write for dialogue or for a story. And in the case of it being almost word for word, the same speech that bugged the crap out of me. Um, so it, it's definitely, it doesn't mar it in any way because out of, out of any of the negatives, I could think of that was the glaring one for me. And it's like, I can barely, you know, I can barely look at that as that's a reason to burn it with fire or anything like I was with the <laughs> previous one for things that, that were driving me crazy. But I, I, it feels like there's too much heavily relying on stuff like that to make it feel like, see what we did there? Oh, we're making it credible because we're using other sources of geekdom in order to uh, tell our story. And I'm like, Masters already has enough of that. You could just run with that all you want. And I mean, even the whole, like, I have the, and then they stop whoever it was, this, like, Orko doing it, Gwildor doing it, that, I think that was them going, yeah, everybody knew how to say that last time, we're going to make it, like, nobody gets to say it anymore, you know, and it, it, it had that feeling of, they heard people complaining, everybody knows it, we did it on our episodes when we talked about it. how come everybody knows the incantation now and all that, um, so that's, that's my biggest uh, issue with it ironically is just I, I could not stand that he almost like legitimately here's the entire thing but we're just changing Gotham to Eternia you know it just like no that's not how it works um but and yeah, he that, would and I think he would consider that an e- Easter egg but I would I'm sure I would, yes. I would think of that as like ugh, it's it's a little bit too much self I guess like injecting self into something mm-hmm. you yeah, know if you know of Kevin Smith, you know his one of his favorite characters is Batman. He, you know, head and shoulders is Batman all mm-hmm. the time. So it's it, from that perspective, it's like, okay, I get that you you have that's your geekdom, and you've got to dabble in that in comics form and and things like that. And you've got to play in the CW Arrowverse uh, and all that, which is how we got Melissa Benoist and and um, Chris Wood to be our heroes this time around. But there's that part of me that's just like. I don't know. It, it, it just it, let it let it be its own thing. You don't need to rely on other sources of things. That's and granted, Masters is literally like a hodgepodge of all that stuff to begin with. But in that way, it's like that's great that it started there. But it had its own ideas and its own things once those 
pieces of the recipe were put together. Um, but yeah, like that's my one complaint, and I'm gonna shut up because that's it. But um, actually, no, I'll just I'll just say really quickly. It, it did surprise me they want democracy, but at the same time, progression made me go, "All right, let's see, let, like let's see how that pans out." And then maybe two years later, we'll find out they go, "No, we're going back to the monarchy. You people suck." You know, it just means I'm good. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's voting for Andrea after her. After her, uh, back, back, after her vaccine situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello? <laughs> hey, Jesse. You good? Hello? Okay. Hey. Hi. I don't know what just happened. Hi. Did... You interrupted Matt and Sean talking. That's what just happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it got quiet. I was like, is Sean done? Do I talk now? And And then, I'm sorry. Sean is done now. You can. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Um. The, yeah. The uh, I. Hmm. I'm. Okay. No. Mm -hmm. it, I yes. liked that. Good points all around. I, I, I'm a hundred. No. I'm a hundred percent on board with Curtis that Adam is He-Man now. Like they, they are one and the same person. I think the whole thing where um, Man at Arms says you became your own man today. Like I think that was, um, and I agree with him that that's why He-Man was there presenting to the crowd, not not Adam. Um, you know, because like now everybody knows. Like I know before it was like it's two to one. The vote, the vote I gotta tell you guys, I'm shocked that Jesse agreed with me on anything, nope. and I'm celebrating I've... after this. I am going out. I'm I'm getting lit. <laughs> so, based on the setting of this story and everything that the way they've presented it, I 100% agree with you on that. That there's something neither of them are transforming. Maybe they can, and maybe that's why Battle Cat didn't get a different upgrade because he was not part of of all the powers together um uh that said i don't mind that he-man has decided to step away as leading them i think they're like oh my castle's destroyed i'm out um good luck voting on people uh you don't know what voting is but you'll figure it out um and and now that I know about that speech from Batman, like part of it sounded familiar, but like I couldn't place it. I, I don't they, th those words don't stick in my mind as much as they do, Sean. So like that does kind of bum me out a little bit, um, but not to the point where it ruins anything. But just the whole like it seems you know, lazy. It, it seems lazy. It, well, the, the whole just like, oh, we're going to do the democracy thing. And you guys get to vote, like, and everybody cheers. It's like, do they even know what the hell that is? <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, people, I am going to give you pizza, but you have no idea what cheese is or tomatoes or bread. So get excited. You know, it just, it felt so out of the blue, like two, we've got to end this episode in five minutes. So boom, mm -hmm. Bob's your uncle story over. Um <laughs> I think I am totally on board with the idea of him setting up like, you know, them like, look, we're going to merge into a different era. Like, I'm not going to be the only one to, to lead you. We need to have, like you said, like the council or 
um, some sort of like group, you know, and we want to hear what, like introduce the ideas. Cause like you said, they know they're not writing the show for four and five year olds, Mm. you know, the, the, and I didn't care. Like the only reason it bugged me that Andrew was like, I'm going to run for public office is like, he just announced this to everybody. Like, where did that come from? Like, well, it, it came from exactly. It came from exactly where I'm saying, though. It, like, it's like it. None of that stuff no, matters. No. It's literally just to poke at people to like get them pissed off about it. And part of me is like, she's already like an official. She is man at arms. Like, yeah. and and Duncan is the man of war. Like, she's there for the city. He's there for bigger issues. Like, they're part of the council. Like. You know, if she would have been like, I want to step down as man at arms and like help the people, that would have been a totally different thing. Um, but I, yeah. I will agree but with it came Matt, out of though, that it came out of nowhere. I will agree with Matt, though, that I did see some people lose their absolute effing minds just, about the, that the, part. The, the first and, punch of just democracy and then yeah. the second punch of it being her, a character right. that they're not fond of anyway, which I'm not even fond of her either. And I'm right with you, Jesse. Story progression. If she would have been like, I'll if even if she wants to run for some sort of whatever, like she was saying, even if she would have said, like, I was part of why everything got jacked up by like helping Keldor, like, I want to redeem myself, like, at least give it a little bit of like, at least give it a little bit of me. But I think it was literally, and, and I don't believe, I, I don't fully buy into the whole like. The, every studio has like all these woke people and then they want certain things and they want certain agendas and stuff like that. I, I don't believe fully in that stuff, but I do definitely think that like the writers in the writer's room and all the people that do like, l- whether they lean in politically liberal, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I definitely think they were like, this is going to be funny. This is going to stir people's emotions. And we know, we know it doesn't mean anything because season one of next season, it's going to be just the council of elders, but it's going to be a throwaway line to us. Like, I think that that was a poke in, in yeah, like we, we did a good enough series that we can throw this one little jab out there and, and it'll still be okay. And I, and I think, you know, with revelation, it was hard to figure out which ones were the people with true legitimate concerns and which ones were like, just gonna, they were looking to hate it with this series. It's a lot easier. Like when you see somebody bashing mm-hmm. this series, you can tell right away, you did not want to like this because there is a lot to like in this series. Well, um, and- but I think you're right. I think it was, it, it was really thrown in there. I think to identify which people out there are just jerks and it did a good job see- of that. Am I the and, only one who took that though to mean like, like this is how we sideline the Andrew character? No, like is that I didn't get that at all. Yeah, that's I, the way I took I got, it. So then, this, like, this is we, a way to make her seem important after you just no. took a whole series of not really giving her any time to develop. But I think it's anything. setting up to where we can go. She's like, oh, I'm going to run for political office. So then, when next season comes along, it's like, well, where's Andrea? Oh, she's in meetings. Well, you, you know, know what I mean? She's and like she's... running things. She's like the king, basically. Like she'll but be the. This is democracy, know. so there's going to be lots of. Okay, so she's the president. That's still a lot of freaking dude. power. You know, all that you have to do, you just all you have to do is point to the prequels. People hated Jar Jar, and what did they do? They made him a senator. It was ineffectual. <laughs> he was the only one that managed to do the one thing that Palpatine wanted the most, and that was it. 
And otherwise, he just literally walked onto a scene and walked out of the scene half the time. So as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't mean anything because if they do make anything after this and they have it be from a government standpoint, I'm going to sit through it rolling my eyes as much as I did when I watched Phantom Menace and all the other prequels because I didn't want a civics lesson when I went to a goddamn Star Wars movie. I don't think they'll do that. I think the politics that, will be yeah. over there. Yeah. So this is their way to like, okay, we know she wasn't the most well-received character, so we're gonna, we're not gonna yeah. like kill her off, but we're gonna put her over there. And I doubt she's gonna to be a high-ranking I, I just person within that, though. I just don't know that you needed to even address that. If you, if you're planning on just kind of sidelining her, I don't think you even need that part in there. I I think Matt. I agree 100% with Matt Rod here. I think this is just a, a, a punch at the, the jerks that are out there. They wanted to they wanted to pull the trolls out and really clearly identify which guys out there are just the jerks. Yeah, and, well, who are, who are the trolls if they, like, let's pretend this scene doesn't happen. Who are the trolls? Like, what, what are they, what are those nothing. trolls complaining about in this series Honestly, if they don't do that? There's literally nothing. Most of mm-hmm. what I've seen is rehashes of revelation issues just projected onto revolution like what 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 ones like tila being too strong Tila being the prominent uh yeah the the chicks do everything uh yeah it's like you obviously did not watch revolution at all Mm. and you're just trying to drudge up old arguments because you think they're still gonna stand i've seen seen a few of the Kevin Smith, uh, the Kevin Smith filmation things, but so I yeah, want to get to the I, I want to get to the meat and potatoes though. We got one vote, Dooch. Adam exists. Prince Adam exists. Technically, dual identity. We got two votes. King, or excuse me, He Man, Ponytail He Man is the only person, and Tila's probably the only one that still calls him Adam inside the Castle Grayskull uh, bedroom, and then Sean. Where are we at, buddy? You're just saying if he can transform back or not. Can he transform back or is he all-time yeah. He-Man now? I I would honestly be thrilled if it was all-time He-Man for the fact that I just always wanted him to be He-Man like the mini-comics when I was a kid. So, and, But is that the way you're voting? No, I think I honestly do believe there is something about that within the way this is set up now. Because the other thing I was thinking while you guys were having that debate was now that everybody knows what the hell's the point anymore. Mm -hmm. The only cool thing about that is for us. The only Mm -hmm. cool moment for us is we know when there's danger, he's literally going to flash that sword and do the incantation and we're going to get the Bear McCreary thing. Which I love. I love the Bear McCreary. But when the, when the secret's point, gone, there's no need for a secret identity. At the at this point, <laughs> yeah. like it, 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 the the weirdest moment in in this show for me probably was when they're literally in hell and he's addressing Scareglow as Adam and he just rips the sword out and just goes for it right in front of Scareglow. It's like let's just bitch the middleman this time. He, he call him Adam or He Man, doesn't matter. And just make him go into every situation as He-Man. And if it's a whole thing of he has to relinquish it or else he goes crazy, like in the... it's it, Maybe they can address that and just go, okay, he doesn't have that issue because Tila is now so powerful as a sorcerer, she can counter that so he can always be He-Man or something. I don't know. But I, are we, I have always are we, wanted that, though. Personally. Are we all in agreement that, for us at least... 
the dual identity has ran its course and and kind of kind of uh uh done its job mm. and now it would be interesting at least that if he what if even if he's depowered let's say he's depowered let's let's start next seasons off he's very he-man statue statue normal dressed you know but he mm. like calls down the power to like get that extra umph like he's not he's not a prince little kid anymore but like has the dual identity ran its course and would it be cool to kind of see what's next well in this I continuity absolutely yeah, it's, yeah that's the whole point of this i did like him showing up to um um subternia as adam because he you know he basically said I, he wanted to try to come to some sort of arrangement first. He didn't want to come right. in there yeah. looking threatening and being, so I liked that he did that Adam thing there. Uh, but yeah, after this series has ended, I, I don't think there's a need to go back to Adam. And I think the way that they've set it up, it makes it appear to me that I don't know that he can go back to Adam, but. Yep. Only time will tell. All right, so right guys. On the rest of the last scene. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Where I I love that Keldor's sitting in that thing and he sees Skeletor because I think that answers the question like does he remember? Yep. Um, so I, I mean I think he definitely has all those memories and experiences and everything. Um, and the fact that he wants to be Skeletor again because like when he turns into Skeletor in that flashback moment where he gets the Havoc staff and you see his skin and everything melt away and he becomes Skeletor. Like that looked like a painful, agonizing moment. So, you know, there's there's a lot of potential to see. You know, like I don't need him to be redeemed and become like a good guy. Hell, but no. I don't need him. I don't need him to be like the bad guy. I feel like I also don't need Adam to or He Man, whoever he is, to kill him. Like I I think having him be depowered and just like a, a Weasley guy in the cell, or to whatever is going to come next. You know. Um, and I'm with Curtis again. I I don't feel awkward watching kissing and animation, but like it's usually like especially like uh, the Batman animated series and suit like the Superman when in that style of animation, which I love. It's always weird when people kiss because it's just like you just have two pieces of paper just smacking against each other, and it's just like what why why what and then there's always like weird like lip smacking noises going on it's like okay um so i think that's a new term kid... that's a new term we're smacking paper <laughs> um but in that moment like they're already together we know they're together and just having that that moment of just having like the connection the head on the shoulder i think that's a nice like she just invited him to come live with her like we know where this is going so I think having that moment and like looking out over the things was good. Again, it's offset by the like, hey, democracy, it's all you. But, you know. Um, yeah, it's weird when they have those kind of speeches like right after a big battle, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. Oh. It's the fact that the speech came from nowhere. Like no one was talking about democracy. Everybody liked the king. Really? Like, everybody speeches was that came out of nowhere, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're trying to provoke, but it has nothing to do with this scenario. You already established this is days later and there's uh, no cars. Um, okay. but yeah, I I I like what where it's going, what it's setting up, and I, I do hope we see more of it. Well, boys, that was the final scene, so you know what that means. 
It's time for us to rate. Oh, wait, no, hang on. We got an epilogue, apparently. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. What happens here in the epilogue? Important uh, stuff. We... I was waiting for Curtis to overturn his desk if you weren't no, going to go. He, he, he prefaced it. He let me know. Don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> I still think he was pretty close to freaking out. This much. This much. Uh, epilogue. We are on a strange planet somewhere in the cosmos. We see Zodak surrounded by an army of cosmic enforcers, uh, including many familiar faces. Strobo, Zodak with a K, Xanthor. Uh, he is explaining that today we learned a lesson of balance. As we see Evelyn standing before him, he applauds her for successfully completing her mission. And in doing so, she has earned a position as a cosmic enforcer. She is given a blue helmet. Uh, we are then on Horde World, where we see Hordak's corpse in a healing tank. For the first time in animation, we see Despara, who may, who assures Hordak that soon Horde Prime will make him whole again. And once that is done, they will revenge on Eternia and especially the He-Man. Curtis, would you mind kicking us off? Yeah, I've been waiting for this since watching the series for the first time. <laughs> so... A couple things. The first first thing is the on the the whole cosmic enforcer thing. Like I think this has been the biggest miss through both series is that like we've had these things. Preternia has been destroyed. The mm -hmm. you know the Skeletor's trying to remake the universe. Uh, Evelyn's trying to destroy it all. And where are these cosmic enforcers that are supposed to keep the balance? Like they've never shown up. This at least for me was like, hey, they've been watching. They've yep. been overseeing, and if it would have gone too far, they, you know, something would have happened. They would have stepped in, whatever. So that that part of it, I liked that they at least acknowledge that the cosmic enforcers are there. Spoiler alert, or whatever. Side note: <laughs> I love the cosmic enforcers. Like this is my favorite part of Motu, um, and I specifically like Xanthor. Um, and the reason I like Xanthor is because he has this redemption story within golden disc of knowledge and filmation where he did some bad stuff. He lined himself with Skeletor. He got punished for it, but then he works to redeem himself and becomes a cosmic enforcer very much in line with what we've seen through evil in through these two series. I think their, their redemption tales are, are very much a mirror of one another. Um, so her ending up in this spot and being inducted into the cosmic enforcers and given a helmet is perfect. I think this is a, a great way to solidify that she has now earned her way into the good side. She is, she is with, she is, she is good now. Um, but even a little bit off of that, she's not really good. She's, she's one that can, yep. that has balance. Like she can see both sides. Um, so I, I love that one. Um, the other cut scene, I'll be honest, I really don't care about the, I mean, I know that's the one that people are really going to focus on the Dispara and that could lead to Shira and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, the right stuff and all this kind of thing. And Hordak is <laughs> whatever. I don't really care. The, the, the secondary cut scene, I could care less about, um, the whole, putting that that final pin in the because to me these two series were about Evelyn 
Like she is the primary character of these two series. And so putting that final pin and giving her, her that final reward for her redemption is the, the nice pin on the series. I like it. Um, and if we get more cosmic enforcers, like if we get a spinoff or something, man, I would, <laughs> I would eat that stuff up. So yeah, that for me, this is what it's all about. So for me, don't say that. Don't so don't say that too loud, though. You say Evelyn's the, the the main character. You're gonna get some trolls out here on you, man. Gonna I wouldn't say she's I, the main character, but I think her story arc she, is the most important story arc of the series. Well, both even, both seasons ended on her, uh, Cliff or it's, it's her, so yeah. I, I tend to agree with you there. Sorry, I don't, I don't know if I can go that far, but I will agree she has had a tremendous character arc. And like I said earlier, it's not necessarily one I want. Like, I, I, I never sat there and like, I really wish that Evil Lynn would go through a redemption arc. But they did a good job showing her redemption arc. So I, I do appreciate it. I can I, I can live with it that she's going to become a cosmic enforcer. It makes sense. And it solves my, my little issue when we're first at dark smoke and she's just kind of like yeah well the you know the drones know i'm here and grand mirror and but so anyways about ka magic and it's like no wait a minute like we need a lot more in like you said having this scene at the end really buttons it up and it's like okay now it makes sense like you said zodak's been watching this whole time you know he's you know, shit got bad in Revelation, but, you know, to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. So, and that's how the Cosmic Enforcer should be. Going back to Filmation, you know, we got the the search with the Star Seed, where he leads Skeletor to a powerful artifact in order to, to preserve that balance. Like, it doesn't mean that the Cosmic Enforcers are always going to be on the side of good. Sometimes bad stuff has to happen. Um but luckily they, you know, Evil Lynn was able to to help. She was able to get Granamir to help. Because without her, Tila never gets the Ka magic and is never able to get Paternia back and never able to bring that balance back. So it makes perfect sense why Zodak stepped in and brought Evil Lynn to Granamir ahead of time. Because well, and, and I, I guess I never thought I never thought about that full circle then. Yeah. Oh, so just the 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 idea that she broke heaven. There needs to be a heaven and hell yep. for balance. And yep. she needs to be part of what fixes that. Yep. Yep. Without her, it can't, it can't get fixed. And Zodak sees that. And so he makes sure that she's there where she needs to be. And, uh, and I even like how they did Zodak where he's kind of got like this star thing. He's a little bit spectral, like, you know, that, that was really cool. Uh, really great animation there. Uh, and then, of course, to go to the Horde world, and obviously I felt, while it was a great scene, Horde Act dying that early did kind of leave me like, oh, there's so much more they could have done with the Horde. So then to see that he's obviously getting healed up, he's going to be back, like, I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm, Origin of Dispara. And that just really excites me where that can go and the doors that it opens up. Uh, and to know that we're not done with the Horde yet. Because they were they were really just kind of a footnote in this season. So I'm glad that there's still the opportunity to explore them in depth. 
still got more of them in, in these few episodes than we did in all of 2000X, though, where they shove snake men down our throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I agree. I'm just yeah. saying, but there, there, there's so much more they can do. Right. And obviously, yeah. I'm a huge She-Ra fan. Like, I, I, any chance that we can get She-Ra, I am jumping for joy. Uh, for me... Um... I, I, the cosmic enforcer thing did like when that that part came on, I was like, "Holy shit, they're going here!" I, I had no idea that they were even going to make an appearance, so that was definitely a pleasant surprise. But it's interesting uh, looking at it just in the last, you know, like since we're wrapping this up, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, they really the progression of this is in an interesting place because now that we've seen what's happened with the revelation and with revolution who has skeletor's back at this point if he comes back because obviously he's not skeletor right now he's keldor but if he becomes skeletor again he doesn't have evil in he doesn't have beast man and uh, you know like like they we don't even have much of trap jaw or triclops or anyone else in this series i mean they they show up but they're not really there well they already so they, turned their back on him once with the techno cult like they exactly. you know they did their own so thing i could it, definitely see them come crawling back though like but it it, it, yeah. it does it like the dynamic of this is very interesting to me because with her being out of the picture especially being taken <laughs> by the the cosmic enforcers now i'm like i'm very open to whatever the blank slate that is the possibility of uh, of a new skeletor return or whatever uh if they go there with uh whatever happens on the horizon if they get the third and then um when it comes to the despair a bit the only thing about it, it's like, okay, that's cool. And it's a great storyline in the comics. My only thing with that, that's going to probably drive me crazy until we finally get a preview or something is depending if they get the rights, there's going to be so many people that are just going to keep on asking about when she showing up in this. And I've already seen so much of that already with this that I'm just like, can we just like, do we need to literally have a, legal disclaimer before these episodes to say she won't be in here due to rights issues please stop asking enjoy the show because that drives me nuts after a certain point with how social media works that's just see i i think they've already got the rights i think they've already got it all figured out like i don't probably i don't think you introduce despara if you can't go all the way with it well, they, and they the and probably, the, the you sex tell that to Sony and Spider Man crap they're making. Don't even compare Sony to freaking Rob. Well, you no, know, you're saying like you like right they're having like Sony's making these movies with these false hopes of like being intertwined with the MCU and like having Despar in this jump like this final cut scene. Like I don't think that it proves anything other than like, hey, we know this is where the fans want us to go. Like I I don't I don't think. I don't even, sorry, I don't want to tell you what I think because it's not my turn. I'm going to shut up now. Here it is. No, I'm good. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it, there is a part of me that's like, okay, it would be amazing if they pulled it off. But the other part of me is like, if they don't pull it off, I'm, I'm going to probably not want to be on social media leading up to the next one and hearing how many people want to see? Is it Adora? Is it Shira? And if we know that it probably isn't, I'm just going to get frustrated. 
I don't know if they've got nuts. the rights yet. I would say that they're probably close enough that they were able to pull this, play this card mm. and figure, okay, if we, if we don't get the rights and we've got to do another series, we can make it through a whole series with just this character being Despara and not introducing mm-hmm. Shira. And, but if, if we do, then we can always do that. I, I think it gives them a place to pivot, but I don't think that you introduce the whole like second crib with the unicorn stuffed animal and stuff. If it doesn't at least look like you're going to be able to get the rights. Exactly. So yeah. it, 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 it wasn't necessary. So it, it, by the fact that they did it just, uh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, Agreed. Jesse. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> I, don't know enough about Zodak and the Cosmic Enforcers to be as excited about Curtis's as excited about it as Curtis's. Is. is that is that a sentence? Mm-hmm. That was a sentence. Okay. Good job, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that scene. Like seeing yeah. her. Like like I don't know enough about them to know how heavy that is. But the way they did that scene, <clears throat> like I I feel like it was conveyed very well. Like especially since they have not done anything with them in any of these netflix kevin smith series so far um i was like oh like i know who i know the cosmic enforcers are a thing and they're out there um so seeing her like kind of facing judgment is like oh where's this coming from and i'm like it's kind of cool i was like curtis is gonna love this um and when they give her the helmet and it like materializes for her and everything i was like okay i don't fully know what this means but this is really cool and it is a way to kind of, if they're not going to bring the cosmic enforcers into the bigger story, it is a way to kind of off put evil Lynn, which I don't want them to do. If you don't have her wavering anymore. So it's like, you know, if, if, you know, uh, she's definitely good. So she's not just on He-Man's side. She's out there in the larger universe. So well, and if like nothing else, you at least acknowledge that they exist in this universe because we have right. not heard or yeah. seen anything about cosmic uh, enforcers in this Kevin Smith world. So I like the fact that at least they acknowledge they're there. You know, right? But yeah. also, like if 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 the threats come, like Sean said, without Evil Lynn there to back up, if Skeletor makes a return, or if Keldor tries to return as Skeletor, mm. um, you know who's he got? Well, like Evil Lynn's not there; she's not going to fall for it again anyway. But we're not going to have to worry every episode, and she's not just going to be on He Man's team, mm. where like she, you know, she'll probably be on his side when he needs help, unless he's doing something wrong. Um, but I just thought that was I thought that was really cool that they set up that kind of bigger, bigger expanse. Um, Sean just had a thought. The the only thing I just thought of, sorry, but I just, so what if the cosmic enforcers, if she takes the role, what if they tell her we need Skeletor back? Because now that he, he's conquered both the horde and he conquered Keldor we have to have some, and, and they don't they don't know about what's or I mean I'm sure they do but they're like that isn't a threat compared to Hordak or Skeletor if they go to King Hiss I'll fucking throw my TV out the goddamn door <laughs> but sorry Legends of Grayskull I know family friendly but my kids hear me say we that were. in front of them when I we made it pretty far anyway. we did pretty well we, yes yeah well, well, we I, did. I'm pretty sure I, we I, 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 on the nose he started to throw bombs out 
<laughs> I, I literally at like I, I keep thinking that could be what they do because and if they do, I'll be like, holy crap, they did it. But it makes sense. It's like you took out two main bad guys in one show. Like, what if they go? You can't do that. You need have somebody here, you know, even though they're working on fixing Hordak. But what if they're like, well, we need Skeletor, you know, for one reason or another. And they make her fix him. That could be a and have her be like, this is a gracious the conscious for her to know that, that he's not he wasn't on the board now. And now she's got to make him him again. So, sorry, but I please continue. No, 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 that's no, where no, my no. mind went with what you were just saying. I'm like, holy crap, what if that is something? Yeah, and I, Matt's got a thought. I'm just gonna say the the uh, I agree. I liked the the last moment where we see you know Hordak recuperating. I it's not like oh like I, I when they revealed the the female figure walking up, I was like okay, I'm pretty sure I know where that story is gonna go. I'm not as into the the rights issues and all that stuff. I know there is a thing, um, but I was like, all right, that could be cool. Like uh, you know, I, I never fully got to enjoy Shira as a kid. Uh, just because I was kind of told like that was for girls and I wasn't allowed to have the toy, even though it was He-Man's sister. But um, uh, spoiler alert. What? I didn't, someone already <laughs> said that. If you're watching this far and you don't know that Shira said that He-Man's he sister. sister. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's like I'm excited. I'm excited that it, it's between those two scenes and the way it ended with you know adam choosing to be he-man and be the champion and and all that with with tila and everything i'm excited to see where the story whatever they do could go um i think there's i think there's a lot of potential for for more good adventures and matt rod has left us so oh there he is plug it in is he going to the bathroom no 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 i was uh i was seeing if i had a um a cord for my uh for my phone but um i probably don't but i think i got enough left i got enough juice left no my my uh i'm running around the house i'm running around the house okay going to the basement okay so jesse i'm right with you and sean like all of a sudden i had the idea like picture this kevin smith you better be watching this teddy you better tell kevin smith to watch this like <laughs> evil lynn 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 the good she puts on that helmet. She's a new character. She don't remember. She don't remember everything. Like she might have flashes and pieces of it, but kind of like how Keldor is a new character. And of course he's going to have flashes and pieces of Skeletor because he sees the reflection in the, in the crown or whatever. Um, like what if she's like the cosmic enforcer, she puts that helmet on and she's like evil and neutral, like, you know, neutral Lynn. I don't have an opinion on this. I've got to recreate Skeletor and get him the Havoc staff back type of type of character. Like the the possibilities of new characters using old characters, like that's really cool. And like Curtis, I'm right with you. Like when you were describing that story of what which character is it? Zor uh Zerthor. Xanthor? Yeah. It, it actually reminded me of everyone that was upset about uncle Ben not being in the new Spider-Man movies, but by the third or fourth or the third Tom Holland movie, 
it was actually Aunt May. Like the whole arc was Aunt May, like filled that space. Mm. Like it sounds like you're saying, like Evil Lynn filled this arc of this new cosmic enforcer mm. in, in parallel, you know, that guy. And um I I love the idea of the cosmic enforcers. I definitely think that there's still like some really good uh kind of like it's 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 going to be harder storytelling because again even thinking about it's like okay well that good guy has too much power now i'm going to beat him up and like oh that now i'm going to help him because he's my friend and so i'm going to beat those guys up like there's still a lot of gray about it but Mm. the fact that it's but because there's that gray about it and like i don't understand it like dude, that council opens up and we get freaking Strobo up there and like Lynn's there. And like, this is Lynn's journey. Like she's getting this helmet. Like it, it was really, really cool from a creative standpoint for, for me, because, you know, I'm like picturing like, dude, we're about to get, you guys are probably already making customs of freaking cosmic enforcer Lynn. Like it's going to be awesome. Like where this goes. Um, and so, and the Despair one too, like I am, I'm a fan of Shira, fan of the the twins. I like the tweak of story where I definitely, and I've said this before on this show and other shows, like if there's a better iteration of a story, I'm not too proud to be like, no, actually, like I kind of prefer this. Like Professor X Magneto, I prefer the first class movie origin story of how Professor X gets his legs, you know. Sorry, Jesse. Yep, you're good. No, 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 no. I have a thought, but I'll come back to it. Um, um, but so yeah, so when it comes to the Despara and the like, the mask deal and like kind of hurt that Shira journey, like it obviously for me completely trumps the like filmation. Like, wait a minute, we're the bad guys. Like <laughs> these evil guys that I'm walking around with, they're they're not the good guys, and those rebel, really good looking people in the woods are like they're not the bad guys. <laughs> like. So I'm, I'm, I'm down with like the tweaking of the lens of the Shira world, I guess, because obviously when it was first created, it was definitely pushed into that, you know, princess of power, like everything's bright in fairy tales. So, you know, they gruffed that up a little bit. So I'm, I'm down with that. So. Cool. Real quick. My thought is if for whatever reason, Skeletor comes back because he gets the Havoc staff, what does that do to Tila and He-Man now? Because if we're if we agree that like they've become who they are because of that that merged power of everything, if you pull that havoc power out of them, does he revert to normal Adam and and He-Man transformations again? Does mm-hmm. Tila lose the Tri Sorceress and just become Sorceress Tila or the the Green Goddess or, again, or, or by Sorceress? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. All right. <laughs> I think no, uh, but like you said, if Curtis is right and you guys are right, and he, they're powered up, and the council's like, or the you know the the enforcers are like, they just don't know how you whoa, do whoa. that though, like, because like the staffs are all gone. Like it's not like she's you know what I'm well, saying they like, merged right, but they're the not world. individual. Like how it? Uh, yeah, I don't know how you break that up. But, yeah, that's what he's saying. If if yeah. you broke that, yeah, like the way he breaks the sword in the first series, well, that, the power needs to return. Yeah. Though these guys aren't returning the power. Like as cosmic enforcers, we need them to return the power. They're staying powered up to 
too long. Like, I'm not saying yeah. I want that to happen. I'm just saying, like, if that if if that havoc power gets removed from from her, you know, tri sorceress. I mean, thing, it's you know. it's an interesting thing that you guys are talking about because with the introduction of cosmic enforcers, I mean, they are supposed to maintain the balance. And right now, Eternia is way out of balance. Like, their <clears throat> the good side is like far superior right now because of the losses that Skeletor and Hordak have just suffered. So mm -hmm. does that mean that the cosmic enforcers need to, you know, interject on the other side? I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting idea for sure. There's definitely lots of places for this to go and I'm excited for it. There's lots of places they can go that's never gone before. And I always up for that. But we're only see if everybody keeps watching this series mm -hmm. over and over again. While you sleep, while you sleep, while you eat, while you I'm whatever. Gonna, I'm gonna throw out a quick hot take. House, leave it on for the pets, you know. Oh, I he's got a hot take. Don't I don't like the concept in storytelling of balance. I think that is a bogus, lame way to um Keep the status you, said it, you said it a lot more clearly than I did, but I'm I'm with you in it. Like that's where I'm like, it's like it's it's it's. I, I like the I idea know. of characters wanting to establish a balance. Like I like the enforcers. I like that role they play. Um, I don't like in Star Wars where like, well, there's always two, and if there's only one good one, we have to have a second good one. You know, if this that like that whole perfect balance, everything's equal. I, I don't well, buy and, into that. And, and I like, you know, we've gone through this whole two series without them interfering. So even when sure. everything was was dire and the like Skeletor had the power and, and he was going to remake the universe, they still didn't interfere. So what that tells me, Jesse, <clears throat> is that there is a certain it's not like, you know, one on this side, one on that well, side. Like it's it's there is a certain range that it's like once it gets out of that range, then they go, well, okay, now we got to step in. I just for the record, I didn't mean specifically with this story in He Man. Yeah. That was just a broad topic. I I, I hate I that concept as a a storytelling trope. But it's it's like I brought up earlier. Who's got Skeletor's back now if he comes back? And all this, it, it's like there's literally everybody scattered to the winds for the bad guys at the end of this. There's so also that a bunch is of like bad a, guys that we haven't seen too, though. That like, well, I I, yeah. I mean the, the the ones we haven't been focused on. I'm not really seeing them doing much that's going to interfere later right now mm -hmm. due to everything. I mean the techno virus is gone. Triclops, Trapjaw, too bad they're all free again. Mm -hmm. But they don't they don't what have anybody harnessing them. And Beastman died. He died. No. He died. In, no, in no, 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 no. The third, the third scene cut at the end of this episode was Dunk the Hunt going. He's taking no. off the Man of War armor, and Beast Man is no. Okay. They're rooming what together. I've been making soup. <laughs> well, I think that's time to rate this episode. Uh, as you know, we've got our power sword rating. Three power swords is the best. Two power swords is very good. One power sword is good. We've got the cosmic enforcer. That's right down the middle. Neither good nor bad. Then we got the havoc staffs. One havoc staff bad. Two havoc staffs worse. <laughs> Three Havoc staffs should never be seen by anyone, ever. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with Sean, and we'll work our way around. Sean, what is your Power Sword rating for Episode 5? I will give it... I'm going to go with... Two and a half. 
I won't go a whole three because I I feel like there needs to be a little more work with it for some reason, but it is so good that it is so darn close to being three for me, but two and a half. Jesse. Same. Oh, it's not the power sword, but it's the closest I had in hand. <laughs> two and a half. Two and a half. For, All right. I, I overall really liked it. The the whole just randomly throwing out democracy thing um, brings it down a half point. <laughs> I knew it. I knew they'd get you. I knew they'd get you. Everyone. What's one. <laughs> just a one. Two. Oh. Three. Oh. Three. Three plastic swords. Ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just ate the, the, the Tila and He-Man moment at the very beginning and then capped off with the, uh, his dad helping him out a little bit at the end for me, gives me a three, gives me a three sworder, sworder. Perfect. Uh, for me, it's three all the way up until the whole democracy thing. Then it loses, uh, a whole power card. Um, but then, then they show the cosmic enforcers yeah. and get that last cosmic that that last power sword back, and so it ends up at a three. <laughs> so I like Happy Curtis. <laughs> Curtis tricked me. <laughs> I've actually gone back and forth, but I've and I hate to do it, but I've got to give this a three power sword rating. Uh, I don't like throwing that out there lightly, but this has been my most watched episode. Like it just, it caps the whole series off so wonderfully. Yes. I still have my, my nitpicks about it. Uh, it's, but by God, this is such a perfect ending, you know, for, for it. And it's a great episode in and of itself. Like you can just watch it and it's just good. Um, so now we'll go back the other way. We're going to look at the series as a whole. Same power sword rating. We'll start with Curtis and work our way back around. That's not going back the other way. We would have to start with you. All right, I'll start. Uh, for me, I, I'm going to go with two and a half overall for the series. Um, you know, I've, I've got my a few issues throughout. It's not quite perfect, but it's so... At the revelation and all my fear going into this, can they do this in five episodes? You know, is that enough time? There's a lot of big stuff. They kept me guessing. Uh, and at the end of the day, solid two and a half. Uh, well above my expectations. The pacing was amazing. You know, it keeps you engaged the whole way through. But it, it doesn't drag and it, the hits just keep coming. So two and a half series as a whole well i have been here through all five of these reviews and i have followed matt's rules um but i've got to break them because i wouldn't be me if i didn't and so now i have to give it the best rating that oh, a series God. can have which is a cosmic enforcer rating that's that's so not, that's not how any that of this is works. for me that's what it is so <sighs> it gets one cosmic enforcer <laughs> right down the middle <laughs> which is the best it's above three power swords <laughs> no that's that's not how the middle works but okay how it is for me <laughs> <laughs> matt i am i am going to follow 
Curtis's rebellious nature, and I'm going to give it three Moss Man vines. <laughs> three full flowery it smells like pine. Moss Man vines. <sighs> I love it. Jesse. I'm gonna go. Uh, I mean, why why buck the trend? I'm gonna go with the the triple goddess herself. So three Tila's. <laughs> mm, all right. Uh, One, two, three Tila's. Yeah. I, that, that, another word. That, that another Jesse word. Jesse had three a dream about swords. three Tila's. I wish. <laughs> Sean, I'm finish single, off. I'm allowed to say that. I I will I will admit it and I'll uh, I'll throw it out there. This is a three power sword for me. Um, I did not go into this with much expectation. I was more hesitant, and mm-hmm. at the end of all this, I want more, and that says a lot for five episodes turning me completely around on this and the direction we want to do with it. So, yeah, bring I I need more. Make it work. I would do. What I Curtis would say says. on that point though. If they do more, I would prefer another five episode series. Yeah, absolutely. It was a much, so much better. better than the ten episodes. The 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 main thing is stick to the stick to the um, the way it worked this time. Give only five episodes, and then you can see how they tightened it all up, mm-hmm. and all of it flowed so much better. And they mm-hmm. didn't put anything crazy into the end. It was all just it it the payoff was there from the beginning to the end yep. and we didn't need to go on any side quest craziness. Mm-hmm. And I, that was what made me go like, Oh my God, they stuck the landing. It's like Tim Seeley didn't write this. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> so, and yeah. don't forget, we do have another comic book coming up that will release soon. And that will be looking at, uh, apparently the secret identity of Despara. So we may have answers on that sooner rather than later all right all right boys i want to thank you all for joining us uh it's been a blast thank you to my fellow reviewers thank you to everyone out there who has watched this uh and please go watch revolution watch it again and again and again and again and again hit that double thumbs up um that's the only way we're gonna get anything more so All right, boys. Until next time, go watch it. Oh, come on.